For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. In the hand of God is the headline in the sun this morning. And they are talking, of course, the hand of God being belonging to uh, Lionel Messi. Football giant Messi finally got his hands on the World Cup last night as Argentina beat France uh, on penalties after a thrilling final in Qatar. It was all that and lots more besides. In spite of all of the criticism of Qatar and human rights abuse and everything like that, the World Cup seemed to have seen seems to have gone uh, fantastically, really well, very smoothly. Um, and I know, um, you know, particularly if you were uh, like me back in France, it was disappointing, but you couldn't begrudge them. You know, when it goes to penalties, it's it's anyone's game, really. And it's about, you know, who can put the ball in the back of the net. And Argentina managed to do it more than France. And Messi deserved it. And there's a lovely, there's lovely photographs this morning uh, of him falling to his knees in tears. Then there's other shots of him hugging his two young sons. Imagine being a son of Lionel Messi. <laughs> That must be just an amazing thing. Uh, after winning the World Cup yesterday, and they call it the greatest final of all time. Actually, I wonder whether you'd agree if you can go back far enough. I can't go back to the 66 World Cup, way too young, but certainly the Pele of the 1970 World Cup and the, and the 74. And then the, the, the West German team in the 70s. And then, there, of course, was the English and, and, and the Dutch and, and, and other countries like that. But uh, some say it was the best. And, you know, watching yesterday, I think it probably was. Uh, meanwhile, in other news and in much sadder news, of course, uh, we have the story of Sean Rooney, the late Sean Rooney, shot dead. In fact, some papers this morning are saying, uh, like the front of the mirror, this, or the mail says, we should treat our soldiers' death as murder. Uh, and that's what uh, the new Foreign Affairs Minister, Michal Martin, is being told to um, treat Private Sean Rooney's death as murder and to ensure justice is served. His remains will be reunited with his family this morning. In fact, the uh, Air Corps plane is in the air, left, left Lebanon, I believe it refueled in Malta and is on its way home now, an Air Corps Casa uh, plane uh, on the runway at Beirut International Airport photographs of that making all of the papers this morning. We know that the 23-year-old started his final journey four days after he was shot dead while on United Nations peacekeeping in southern Lebanon last week. And just picking up on that story, a native of County Donegal but grew up in Dundalk and it would be heartbreaking for his family to receive his his body back uh, later on today. Um, in, in, in an associated story, of course, we, we also know uh, of uh, other injuries um, the attack left Private Rooney dead and Trooper Shane Carney from County Cork seriously ill with a fractured skull. Now, his injuries are very serious, but he is making slow progress, apparently. And that story makes all of the papers also today. Um, treat our soldiers' death as murder, though. So it's uh, the first real big job, I suppose, that Michal Martin has as Foreign Affairs Minister, having given up uh, as uh, you know his two-and-a-half-year stint as Taoiseach. But uh, an exemplary leader is how he's described on the front of the Echo this morning. And uh, This is by politicians, and by and large it would be Fianna Fáil politicians saying this, I suppose. They're saying that Michal Martin's reign was exemplary. He should be regarded as one of the great Taoiseach, um, uh, steady and competent during a time of global pandemic and Russian war. That's what the Lord Mayor, uh, County Councillor, Cork Councillor, I should say, Deirdre Ford is saying. Meanwhile, the County Mayor, Danny Collins, is actually saying the Taoiseach should be elected for a full term, not two Taoiseachs doing half each. Whoever the Taoiseach is should always do a five-year stint. Uh, the Finance Minister, Michael McGrath, said Michal Martin will always be regarded as one of our great Taoiseach. Would you agree with that? 
Text 0868104106. If so, why? If not, why not? I see Colin Kelleher, the Fianna Fáil councillor and ex-Lord Mayor, said that it was an honour and a privilege to serve with the Lord Mayor uh, as Taoiseach, saying that he did an exemplary job for two and a half years and it wasn't easy to take over with COVID and what have you. Uh, sadly, the statistic so far this year for road deaths in Cork is 16 and we're not even through this week or the few weeks that are left between now and the 31st day of December. But there's a bizarre story from the courts. There's a couple actually, but this one uh, stands out. It's a man aged 44-year-old Ivor Runtig from Middle Glanmar Road. Apparently he walked into McSweeney's shop in Gardner's Hill. Very unusual incident. He had no previous convictions or anything like that. Went into the shop at 24 in the afternoon, chatting to the woman, uh, working alone behind the counter. And she said it was fine. Uh, nothing unusual about the conversation. Then he walks in around the counter um, towards the till. He takes the till. It's a big old-fashioned till, apparently. Places it in a hold-all bag. No threats or anything. Just takes the till, puts it in a bag and walks out. It was one of the old stad tills um, and I don't know how much money was in it or anything like that. I don't think it made the court report that I read but he was in court for it uh, across the last few days and because he didn't have any previous convictions or any trouble since uh, the judge struck out the charge on the basis that he would pay through 400 euro into the court poor box and do three hours a week voluntary work in the community for 12 weeks. So he got away lightly there and very luckily but uh, it's a story that makes the, the court reports today. Papers are also talking I can't really follow this. Uh, bogus taxi drivers honing in uh, on people who they then raid and empty their online bank accounts. Apparently, it's happening up in Dublin. Uh, they are targeting people. It involves, you know, following people in clubs or pubs, getting their PIN numbers, then putting a bogus taxi outside the pub or the club or whatever. And this punter then um, is, you know, I don't know how they managed to get the punter into the taxi. I suppose everybody's so desperate for a taxi. But they get into the into the taxi, and then they get robbed of their phone, and they clean their phone, they clean their bank accounts out. So this is a particular gang in Dublin. It's a Dublin story, incidentally, and they've netted apparently three hundred thousand euro already doing this raiding passengers' phones and bank accounts. And I don't know whether you saw the post online from um, Conor McGregor and the very nasty, horrible things that he he said to PJ Gallagher the comedian who's had his own struggles with mental health issues and spent some time in hospital getting help for it. Uh, I won't go through it, but uh, the abuse that he gave Gallagher is way out of line. Um, And they say he's gone from notorious to odious. The post has been taken down now and deleted. I was trying to work out, I think at a moment of correction, that um, McGregor posted it at like half past one in the morning. Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong there. I don't know whether that's relevant or not, but he's being widely slated now for what he had to say. He really mocked him and made fun of his mental health issues. And, of course, that doesn't help others, of course, who are, who are struggling and think that the best thing to do is to reach out. They might be slower to reach out. Uh, half past one in the morning is right. Thank you, Kevin. I mean, I don't know whether it was significant. I don't know what he was doing half past one in the morning. I see Steven Spielberg it was on Desert Island Discs at the weekend. I didn't hear it. I'd like to hear it. But he says that great white sharks could rightly have a grudge against him after Jaws, and it spawned the movie Jaws, spawned a rise in sports fishing across the US. And it also turned jaw, turned sharks into the enemy. And I think sharks, I almost said like rats, get a bit of a bad rep. I mean, I guess you know, even, uh, even Attenborough says, even Attenborough says that he loves every single species of animal on the planet apart from rats, but that's for another day. But Jaws, apparently, and Spielberg. Um, I don't know if he had his time over, he wouldn't have made Jaws. I mean, some of the sequels were pretty ropey. 
but he says um, if they're odd with him or they have a vendetta against him, he can understand why. And if you have a little babby, might be interesting. There's some research out now. Surprising results. They uh, researched, I don't know how they, they didn't get to talk to the babies because they're only like a week or two old. But they certainly monitored them, monitored their um, sleeping patterns and their heart rates. It has to do with the type of tunes that you might hum or play for your small little baby for to be getting them off to sleep. So they have found that parents trying to find the right tune to get their babies to sleep might want to pick something cheerful like Humpty Dumpty. When I heard that, I was thinking to myself, there is nothing cheerful about Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty fell off a wall. He got smashed to smithereens. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. But I think it's the way that you actually sing the little tunes. You need to sing kind of more pacey ones uh, rather than Little Bo Peep, apparently. So there's a list of the ones that are in. Songs used included Little Bo Peep, Hey Diddle Diddle, Little Miss Muffet, Muppet, Happy Muffet, I should say, Happy Songs for Babies, though the lyrics are melancholic, including Humpty Dumpty and Simple Simon. So apparently it's the happier, pacier nursery rhymes that get babies to sleep faster. And the Telegraph on Saturday, and we're into, really and truly, into Christmas week now. Telegraph article gives 10 joyous tips for a more joyful Noel. Expect less, enjoy more. Plan a Christmas that only lasts for a couple of days and then get the hell on with your life. Uh, make your own traditions. Don't be constrained uh, to, or, or to what you think people expect you to do. Ditch anything to do with Christmas that you don't truly enjoy. I mean, each of these actually brings out the selfish side of you, but it's probably a good thing in the sense that don't, you know, do things rather than buy things. Go to a carol concert, take a walk, see the Christmas lights, make mince pies. Bake biscuits. Make gingerbread, people. I say people because there's a company in the UK now that is, uh, is making um, non-binary gingerbread persons. <laughs> it's the Cottage Bakery, apparently. Uh, it's a family-run bakery and it's causing a bit of a stir because they don't, sell, they don't sell gingerbread men. They sell non-binary gingerbread persons. Actually, we posted that online at the weekend got some interesting comments as to whether it's a good thing or whether the world has gone absolutely mad. I think it has gone a bit mad because out of Australia this morning, we have a doctor, apparently, who says that fat Santies should be banned from shopping centres because they send the wrong message about Christmas. Being overweight should not be associated with happiness. And the doctor says, I want to fight the stigma that you need to eat a lot and overindulge and it'll make you more joyful. Being overweight should not be associated with being uh, happy. And he said that uh, while he has yet to see a skinny Santi posing for photographs with kids, he'd like to see a fit Santa Claus to be the new norm. So out with the fat ones and in with the thin ones. The Neil Prenderville Show on Courts Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Five things, apparently, likely to kill you faster than a shark, or more likely to kill you than a shark. One is falling coconuts. 150 people a year die from falling coconuts. That's 30 times more than great white sharks. Falling out of bed is another one that'll kill you more than great white sharks will. Uh, Being killed by a deer... How is that? You crash into them on the road or what? Or they attack you walking in the forest. Jellyfish. 
So within the sea itself, jellyfish are more likely to kill you or take your life than a great, great white shark. And one that I just don't understand that I'm going to need some help from, vending machines. Vending machines are more likely to kill you than a shark attack. we got calls, texts and comments on the way after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And we're off and running with some more great hamper calls and great hamper emails as we head into the final stretch up to Christmas Day. And of course, not everybody's coming home or endeavouring to send hampers overseas, courtesy of ourselves and the Paddy Box. And people have been sharing some wonderful, wonderful stories. I want to call up on uh, John O'Sullivan uh, from Cove um, because uh, they sent me a lovely, lovely email about their son, Tony, uh, who is overseas. Um, pick up the story for me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Who's out there? Your son um, and family. And sadly, he tragically lost his wife to cancer. Oh, no. Yes, yeah. In the, at, at the start of the COVID in March 2020. And where are they, John? They're, they're in a place called Holland. In Holland, okay. When in did he? Hol- well, it, it's it's Holland, Michigan. Oh, okay. So USA, close, Michigan, close, USA. Close, close to Grand, a place called Grand Rapids. I know of Grand Rapids, spectacular part yeah. of the country. Now, wh- when did he travel out, and where, you know how did he oh, settle he, down he, and things he, like that? He, he's been there uh, fifteen years plus thereabouts, but he was living in Chicago for a long time. Right, and married and there. Then married, yeah, with with uh, three kids at the moment, like, but. Uh, when Margaret died, um, the twins were only two and a bit. And Tommy, the eldest lad, was only four and a bit. Oh, no. And, of course, Margaret yeah. passed away in March 2020. Yeah. She'd been unwell for a time, hadn't she? Well, she, she was unwell for about just Just after the, the twins were born, she discovered a lump. And uh, it developed from there. Oh, no. It's awfully, awfully and, sad. Uh, Such a young age with oh, so much to live for and... and Beautiful little family, three little children. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was tough, and remember COVID as well. Like it made it very hard as well. Like, and you know, it wasn't easy to adapt. So being so far away from home. So when 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 Margaret passed away, along came COVID the same month. You were you yeah. able to travel, or what happened with regards no, to the funeral? No, we, were, we we were about to fly out the, the next day when the US shut down everything, and. Uh, we haven't been able to get there since, so you know, it's uh, it's it's been a, a, a long, hard road for him. You know? I know. And will will Tony be in Michigan for Christmas with Podrick and Bridget and Thomas? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That's the plan at the moment, anyway. Like, okay, okay. They're only they're only beginning to to get over the, the you know the. the no, uh, sure. Anyone listening to this can understand exactly what you're saying. So you were telling me in the email that he's juggling now, bringing up his three young children, holding down a job. You say staying alive to survive is even difficult. Yeah, well, like you can imagine, like you know, when there was two parents involved, like you know, that the load is shared. But you know, he's to, he's to get up and get them ready for school, pack them off to school, go to work himself. And then when he's finished work, they, they come back from school and thankfully some of the neighbours, like, you know, help him out in the sense that their own kids are going to the same school and they collect them off the bus and that, like, until he gets home, he should build a quarter an hour after they get okay, home. Okay, so there's a great sense of community help then. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a small community where they're living, like, so there's only about uh, 10 houses there, like, so. Yeah. Unfortunately, there, there's some young kids there which the kids can mingle and play with, and, you know. Sure, I know, I know. Did you send out some uh, gifts for the kids? Oh, yeah, man, and Mary always sends out, you know, for birthdays and Christmas and things like that, like, I you know, know, so. I know, I know, but, And uh, do you I, hope I, I, at I, some stage you'll meet up? Yeah, well, he's 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 talking. We had planned to go, but uh, he has told us that he hopes to come home sometime, probably in April or May. That would be a nice reunion, and, uh, wouldn't it? You know, he's he's filling them up about all the great things because a colleague of mine uh, has a daughter living there, and he recently brought out some some little chocolates and things like that to them. And uh, they keep asking that he knows there any more nice stuff, <laughs> that, and, and, and he keeps. He keeps telling them about all this Irish, great Irish chocolate and great stuff. So they're anxious to, to taste some of this. Well, stuff, listen, you know? it won't be long now before they have one of our paddy box hampers, I can tell you. The twins uh, and indeed Thomas, because it's on the way and you need to let them know to expect a big box. That's great. Thank you very much. That'll be much appreciated. Absolutely. And, so have they have they tried the cheese, potato, cheese and onion, and the Cadbury's oh, dairy yeah, milk? And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My, my my colleague has brought these things out to him, like, you know. So, well, all that you know. and lots more besides is on the way. Uh, box of Barry's tea, chocolate Kimberleys, fig rolls, custard creams, loads and loads of sugary sweets for the kids to pile into over the Christmas. I'd say, I'd I'd say he's been bragging about these things. That, that these are the things that we have at Christmas here. Yeah, and, he wants and, to keep the Cork traditions going. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Have they yeah. ever tasted Tanora? I wonder the kids. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> well, there's a first for that as well. <laughs> It'll be interesting to get the feedback from it. Like so. I know, I know. But you probably you know, be facebooking them live or something on Christmas. Oh morning. yeah, I just know. I doubt like we'd be talking to them. And, you know, like we we talk to them every week. Like so. I can know. imagine. Yeah, you know, it would be a good idea to hold on to the hamper box till Christmas morning. Tell them and then open it on Christmas Day. Oh yeah, I'd say I'd say he'd, he'd be surprised to get it anyway in the first place, you know. So, and uh, you, you know, with kids, I think he's been ordering a lot of stuff online, like so. Uh, you, you know yourself, like you forget to first you hide things away, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they, they pop up a week or two later. Okay. Right? So I know, I know, I know. Well, listen, the they won't. The they won't. Be the it certainly will. They won't miss that one, and it'll lighten uh, their load and give them a little bit of extra happiness. At at a tough time for you all, so our thoughts are uh, with you all. But get on the phone and much. tell Tony that it's all sorted, yeah. and to have a happy Christmas yourself and your what your wife's Mary, isn't it? Mary, yes, yeah. yeah. And regards yeah. to you all down in Cove, and send our best over to your son and the kids, will you? Thank you very much. That's much appreciated. You're more than welcome. Look after yourself. Take care. Great Cheers, stuff. John. Happy Christmas to you all. And you, you too. Take care. Take care. We've got the Cheers, one and only Anne Desmond. Anne, good morning. Morning, Neil. How's things? Oh, okay, Neil. Thank you. Not too bad. Okay, so Nicholas and Gary are in are in Boston, isn't that right? They both are, yeah. Gary's been there since 2000 and Nicholas is there. Sorry, excuse me. Nicholas is there since uh, 2011, 11 okay. years. So yeah. Gary's yeah. there 22 years then. And, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. And um, how are they, Anne? Oh, they're, they're doing fine. They're doing fine, yeah. yeah. A little yeah. bit disappointed that I'm not getting over. And why sure, can't, had sure. you planned to go? I had Neil, unfortunately, yeah. I've, I've got a cancer diagnosis, so I can't travel. I know, I know, I yeah, know. I, hope have all, I, hope. I have treatment on Thursday, so... Um, yeah, I, I'm able to travel, but hopefully sometime in the new year we'll get there because for the last number of years 
we have been going over and I, I looked forward to it every year. Okay, so okay, well... That's the way it is. I just, yeah, I just can't travel. So um, I'd actually given up because I spoke to Nicholas yesterday and I said, gosh, no luck with that hamper. I couldn't believe it this morning when I got the call from Claire. So he will be, I can't wait to phone him later on to tell him. Does he know says. what's in it? Have you told him? I told him all what's in it and he'll be absolutely delighted. Thank you so much. Not at all, not at all. If you can't go, and I wish you yeah. well with the with the diagnosis, I hope that all will be well and the treatment is 100% Thank you, successful. Thank you. For, but if you can't travel, I was thinking it would be a nice substitute to send a hamper to the two. Are they near each other? Uh, about half an hour away from each other, Perfect. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And have both um, of them family there? Tell me a little bit about that. No, Gary has. Uh, he's got um, two kids, uh, a boy and a girl. Actually, my granddaughter would be 16 this coming Friday. 16. And does so he share a lot of the Irish traditions and the Cork traditions? Um, I hear tell you that know, you travelled last year with pot noodles and oxtail soup and rashers. I, yeah, and I send my granddaughter loves the crunchies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I've I've actually sent her out a package with crunchies in them, yeah, and and selection boxes, so okay. they get they get that, yeah. So yeah. will Nicholas then go round to Gary's or what? He will, yeah. They'll meet up on Christmas Day, yeah. They okay. Will, yeah. And what do they do? I think one of them. This is their busy time, isn't it? Which one of them's in the post yeah, office? Yeah, uh, when Gary has Gary works himself. He in construction. So when Nicholas went out to Boston at first, he worked for him for a while, but. It wasn't a thing, so he's been working in the post office since 2017. So up to then, he's he's come home quite regularly at Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. But as Christmas is his busy time, he just couldn't get the time Actually, off. So we, tra- we we yeah we travelled out then. Yeah, yeah we okay, out then. okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, yeah. listen, uh, God is good for the new year, and hope all will yeah, be well. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, and that you will meet your sons again, and indeed, Gary, his daughter. What's her name? Megan, okay. uh, Megan, okay. and my grandson is Ryan, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I bet you they're listening now, and if they're not listening now, they'll be listening to the podcast. So happy Christmas to them all. And thank you so much, Neil, and happy Christmas to you and all on Red FM. Not at thank all. You. And there's a, there's a Boston hamper, a Cork hamper on the way to Boston, and Nicholas and Gary will hook up with the rest of their friends, and they'll have a great Christmas day, and they'll burst into it. Delighted. Look after yourself, great. Anne, all right? Thank you so much. You've really made me happy today, Not at Neil. all. Thank I you. hope so. I hope so. And thank best you. of luck to you and everybody over Christmas up around St. Luke's. Look after yourself. Thank you, Neil, so much. Thank you. Bye. bye. Take bye care. Bye. Just bye a bye. fast bye one, bye. lads, if you don't mind. Dave. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. I want to get this right. Dave Van Voorden. Yeah, very close. Okay. Van and you have a very special person in your life by the name of Tracy Taylor. Indeed, yes, yes. That's my Irish lass. So she would be, I hope, a Cork lass. She is. She is. And yeah, listens Bantry. to this program all of the... Where's she from? Bantry. Bantry okay. Bay. So, so you were saying in your email, while you and I have never met, you feel as if you know me very well. Why is that? So she listens to your show, I would say, religiously. She tries to catch you live on air, but when when she can't, you know, due to work or other things, she she always listens back on the on the podcast. So I pretty much hear your voice every day, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so you also know all of the news from Cork, in spite of being I do, a, I do, in spite yeah, of yeah. being a Dutchman. <laughs> exactly. Yes. 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 It's so a nice where, way to keep connected. Right. Yeah. Where did you guys meet? 
Um, at the at, at work, we we used to work together at the same place, uh, large office building, and uh, so we knew each other from there. And then we we ended up at a barbecue together with some mutual colleagues. That's how it all started. And the whole thing took off from there. And you, so you settled down together. You're living together. All that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. Thirteen years already. Did you put a ring on her finger or anything like that? I did not. One <laughs> thing does. <laughs> is that part of the plan at some stage <laughs> oh there's no answer to that question moving swiftly along um, what would you do if I sent you a box a hamper from um, the paddybox.com would you know what you're eating in it like have you had any d- d- I mean oh, yes, do you yes. know what tato crisps are as a Dutchman yeah I've had most of the items in the box I have to admit um, have I'm you? a crisp monster myself so I, I love the crisp but there's something about those potatoes I'm not sure what it is but we, we can't get those over here what, so. what kind of crisps do you have in the Netherlands? Um, the, the Lay's one I'm not sure how they're called over oh over Lay's I see those in Spain yeah, they're alright they're alright they're alright they, 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 they come close let's say <laughs> So um, I will have dibs on those crisps, but all the other things, mainly the chocolate ones, they're all for treats. Tracy will have all of the chocolate, and you'll build up a lot of brownie points as well, I'm told. I will, I will. <laughs> and you're in Maastricht, or I'm probably pronouncing that Maastricht. wrong, am I? Yeah, 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 Maastricht. So that's in the, in, in the deep south, I'd say, of the now. Right, so what you need then is a packet of crisps in the left hand and a bottle of tanora in the right hand, and you're sorted. And then you'll, after you have the crisps and the tanora, you'll even have a strong Cork accent, all right? <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Can you do the Cork accent at all? Can you? No, no, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. I, I cannot do the Cork accent. Unless you give it a stab. Try it anyway. Um. Oh, what do you want me to say? And anything that ends, anything that ends with "boy" or "like" will do. Come here a while. I want you, boy. Like. <laughs> What's your boy like? <laughs> <laughs> That's appalling. It's so bad. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Happy Christmas to yourself and Tracy. Where is she Thank from you, in Cork, incidentally? So Where is she from? Um, Doris. Doris. Beautiful part of the county. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. tur- turkey and ham on Christmas Day? Uh, no, Tracy's a vegetarian. So <laughs> be, uh... <laughs> oh, so you're a vegetarian as well, then, are you? <laughs> Uh, no, no, I'm. Uh, I, I like the meat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying that if she is, you are too. You know, I'm in the sense that you can't have turkey and ham on Christmas Day. What would you have? No, no, no. She, she, she leaves others uh, be as they should be. So she is a vegetarian, but she's not pushing other people to do. So what will it be then? Will it be nut roast for him, for her, and nut roast for you? <laughs> No, it's going to be a bit of both. So I think she's going to have uh, a vegetarian beef Wellington. Oh, I love it. Well, there will not be beef in it, but thinking it's something mushroomy. Uh. <laughs> you looking for? You looking forward to that? Absolutely, absolutely. It's always nice to, to celebrate these days. And I have to say, you know, we try to get over to Ireland once a year, but around these days, she just misses. Irish land that bit that bit more, a bit more you know? I know I know but hopefully the hamper will make a big difference she's great to have you in her life because you got in touch with me to win it on behalf of Tracy and it's on the way so make sure you tell her and have a great day Christmas day and enjoy the crisps and the tanora hear me thank you Neil thank you Neil happy Christmas Bye, to you take happy care Christmas. Dave thanks again bye bye, bye.
All right, Hamper's going to the four corners of the world. You know that story there with John O'Sullivan down in Cove? Eddie O'Hare, the uh, photographer, photojournalist with the Echo and the Examiner, just got in touch and said, that John O'Sullivan is actually Sonia O'Sullivan's dad. And I didn't even know that when I was chatting with him. So thanks for that, Ed. Happy Christmas to you. Uh, and another happy Christmas greeting to all of the O'Sullivan clan, John and all of the family, and indeed the great Sonia O'Sullivan down in Cove. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Just some more of those tips actually from Saturday's Telegraph. They say if you do these kind of things, you'll have a happier Christmas. So number four is send fewer Christmas cards. I would have thought you'd be encouraging more people to send Christmas cards because it's dropped off over the past decades, hasn't it? Although I have to admit that this year we sent loads and loads of Christmas cards. Just made a conscious when I say we. It's Paula did most of them, to be honest with you. But they're saying, send fewer cards, stick to people you're closest to and those who actually mean something to you. The rest, they don't count. Another one, don't eat and drink too much. Of course, everybody says that. The lead into Christmas time. How many people follow it? Get outside. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the tyranny of Christmas catering. They actually say with regards to Christmas catering, buy in the best you can afford, the food you really enjoy, but not too much of it. All very well if you can afford to buy in with all of the other challenges that are going around now. But I suppose the most important one is spend time with the people you really care about, your family and those uh, in your created family. Uh, Everybody else should play second fiddle. Just the people that really matter. And indeed for those that won't be coming home at Christmas uh, and have family at home who will miss them and love them. Some great emails came in over the past couple of weeks, really and truly. And if I could just do one or two of them here this side of 10, I'd love if I could mention my son and daughter and daughter-in-law. So that would be Tyg and Patrice O'Goheen, who live in Perth, Australia. It's been a particular hard year. His beloved dad was diagnosed with COVID over Christmas last year, and we were told to get Tyg home fast. He had just gone on holidays in Australia, nine hours away from Perth, Once we rang, they drove through the night to Perth and had to arrange flights home, which was a nightmare as both countries had COVID restrictions. But they did arrive home on New Year's Day and after being up for three straight days with no sleep, he went straight down to the Mercy Hospital to be with his dad. Unfortunately, his dad died a couple of days later. Tragedy. When it came to going back to Australia, the borders had closed, so they had to stay here until March. He was extremely close to his dad, and this is his first Christmas without him. We'd love to make him smile uh, if he had one of your hampers. He's a brilliant son. He rings me every day from Australia to check in on me. He's so thoughtful. I'd be so delighted if you could help out. And that's from his loving ma'am, Helen. So a big shout-out to Tyg and to Patrice. Sorry about the loss of your dad. That's absolutely tragic in any circumstances, but it was made so much harder, wasn't it, because of COVID restrictions and trying to get home from Australia. But regards to you and all of the family this Christmas time, he rings his mam every single day. Good son. Uh, I might be late, but I'm chancing my arm. I want to put my brother Dara into the running for one of your paddy boxes. He lives in Singapore. He was just home in Kinsale for a quick visit before going back east. My three kids gave him an early Christmas gift, the chicken pox. <laughs> he was not impressed. Instead of enjoying the festive season, he is now housebound wearing socks as gloves. I'd love to make it up to him as he lathers himself in chamomile lotion and watches Die Hard. In spite of what Neil says, it's the best Christmas movie ever. Uh, he's watched it five times. Yippee Kaye, says Ashling, 
about our brother Dara who's out in Singapore actually I believe that Bruce Willis I found a clip of that recently I have it somewhere Bruce Willis came out and said Die Hard is not a Christmas movie uh, my name is Neil Power I'm originally from Cloyne in 2012 my family packed their bags and moved to Saskatchewan Canada my husband Dave and our two girls have been working hard to make a good life for us in the last 10 years I work in healthcare in a long term facility during Covid it was very hard to watch our residents suffer and miss their families we were their care their mental health therapists, their families, their friends, hugging them when sad and holding their hands as they passed away. This is a lovely email from Saskatchewan about the sad times there during COVID. We've never been home for Christmas and still feel lonely even after uh, these 10 years at this time of the year. My youngest daughter Emily was only nine months old when we moved to Canada and has always loved the Irish treats that family sometimes sends over. I have told all my residents about all the different treats we have and would love to get one of your hampers to share with the residents. Listen to your podcast every day and play it at work. They laugh at the Irish accents. They don't understand it. Um, And there are times when I have to translate Cork into English. We've been so welcomed here and love the community we've become part of. And it would be nice to give a little bit of a taste of Irish heaven. I've cooked Irish stew and Irish soda bread for Culture Week and different organizations here on a voluntary basis. And they love it. Be grateful if you picked us for one of your lovely hampers. Merry Christmas to one and all. It's Michel Amas, Neil Power, who cooks Irish stew and Irish soda bread, in fairness to her. And just a fast one, I'd love to give my cousin one of your hampers. I'll tell you my story. My husband brought me, bought me a 12-month package, myheritage.com, to try and find my ancestors, but to no avail. Then one day... I was feeling very low as my brother who was in a care home was very sick and we were worried about him. He sadly died in August this year, Lord rest him. He was the best brother in the world. But all of a sudden, in the middle of my worries, I got a text from a person who said, I think we're related. Asked me my surname. I gave it to her and she told me my mother's maiden name, my grandmother's maiden name, and even my great-grandmother's maiden name. I didn't know any of those. Then she gave me my great-great-grandmother's maiden name. I was shocked at this and at the very same time excited. How did she find me? Well, she also had the Heritage.com package and found it all out. She found me after 400 years. Would you believe it? She sent me on birth certs, marriage certs, death certs of all my ancestors. She's from West Virginia, America. Would you credit that? She came from Cork originally. She came home about 10 years ago, but we were not in touch until this year. So, she would love to come home, but can't afford it at the moment. Hopefully, we'll meet in the next year or two. She WhatsApps me. We're great friends. I sent her the holly bow, and she was delighted with that, but I'd love to send her a hamper. Isn't it the most wonderful story? She lights up my days, says Jacinta Curran. It certainly is. And you you got to wonder, all those hundreds of years ago, what took them to those faraway fields of West Virginia in America? Great email, Jacinta. Thank you so much. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Lots and lots of Christmassy stuff on the air this week on this here program. Lots to do between now and Friday. And in fact, talking about Fridays, last Friday, Seamus took a trip across the river to Skull Yusagon, the primary school. They had their annual Christmas dinner and the teachers and the, actually tend to the kids. I don't, I don't believe the teachers cook it, but they certainly serve it to the kids. I think it's a fabulous thing. And uh, Seamus has some lovely 
audio from Skull Isagon's Christmas dinner. So they got the dinner at school and then they go home and they have Christmas dinner again uh, on Christmas Day. So all that and lots more to come between now and midday. Uh, with regards to the World Cup, delighted for them. The best final ever won by worthy champions. Champions, Congratulations to all Argentinians, particularly those on Lee side. Morning, I watched the whole game yesterday and I was going for France, but in the end, I was so happy for Argentina. Delighted for them. That really sums it up for me too. So thank you for that. Uh, Conor McGregor, a lot of texts on that. Most of them not broadcastable. But I like this one in particular. Money can't buy class. He's nothing short of a disgrace. Uh, and then the cabinet reshuffle, of course. And Michal Martin stepping out and Varadkar stepping in. Uh, Leo Varadkar, musical chairs of Muppets. It will make no difference. It's like moving the deck chairs on the Titanic, says somebody else. Somebody says, it's like replacing an orange with a tangerine. Um, Twelve males and three females. I think Ireland is behind yet again with regards to our cabinet. I didn't know this, but so I was referencing earlier... Um, nursery rhymes that you should be singing or playing or humming to your kids, your little babbies. Neil, did you know that Humpty Dumpty was in fact a canon? I did not. Makes perfect sense now when you describe it that way. You learn something new every day. In fact, Mary also found something for the first time. Uh, Yesterday, I was told that mince pies don't have meat inside. No, they don't. But many hundreds of years ago, they did. And over time, Less meat went in, more preserves went in, and over time the meat got left out and you got a mince pie, of course, but the actual mince pie itself then became completely vegetarian. Uh, on Hall Martin, the spin machine is at full throttle for Hall now with all the accolades as Taoiseach. It's nothing but rubbish. We have record homelessness, we have record housing lists, record hospital waiting lists, record lists for special needs not to mention the COVID handling disaster and all of its after effects. So thank you for all those. We'll pick up. There's a lovely one, though, and, and this is a beautiful text. Can't come on air this morning, but I would love for you to consider something, please. This morning, the wings of an Air Corps plane will bring home a young man that gave his life in service to his country and international peace. It's 23 years since this great country lost a military service person in the line of duty for peace. And I strongly feel that we, as a proud, dignified nation, should there should be a national day of mourning on the day that Private Sean Rooney is laid to rest. As a proud nation, we should be standing in solidarity with Private Rooney's family and all those in our defence forces and show the world what such a loss means to us. I ask you, please, and everybody to contact the new Tarnishta's local constituency office, as in Mihal Martin, and make this suggestion and let us all stand behind our fallen soldier. May he rest in peace. I, that's a beautiful text. It's unsigned, but I would hazard a guess that there isn't anybody out there would disagree with it. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It being Monday, Offbeat Donuts have given me another big box of donuts to give away this morning. We will deliver them by Red Patroller to whomever you are. And the Offbeat Donuts sir, actually feature some great Christmas donuts as well, including Christmas gingerbread, a caramel Rudolph donut, white toffee crispies, and all sorts besides. So these circles of obsession could be yours. There's about 15 in the box, 12 to 15. 
uh, and you can have them at work or share with neighbours. But you got to text why you should win them. So text 0868104106. And if you love donuts, check out Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. They're there and they're freshly baked and they're ready for you. So text 0868104106 on that one. I just want to get to the phone lines if you don't mind because I know that Liam is under a bit of pressure but I did want to give him an opportunity to share his story. Now we've got to go back to Thursday night for this when the weather was awful. I don't know how icy um, and frosty it was but you recall we had minus temperatures at the time. Liam, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I mean, what, what kind of a night was Thursday night? Just remind us, because I know that you had a blowout and were stranded uh, on the Bandon Road roundabout. So, what, what, was it uh, was it icy, frosty, foggy? Yeah, it was um, very cold. It was minus three, according to my phone, Neil. So, right. okay, it wasn't it wasn't nice conditions. Okay, no, certainly not to be walking, which you ended up actually doing in the end. But what happened? You had a blowout. Dangerous thing to happen. Um, I had a blow just after coming off the roundabout, the Bandon Road roundabout, as if I was heading for Toker, just as you merge onto the Link Road. So if you know if you stay left, you go to Wilton. Yeah, I know it. But if you if you merge right, then you go onto the Link. So if it had been ten or fifteen seconds earlier, you'd have been probably doing a higher speed. Yeah. Probably, but you know, people build up their speeds to go onto the link, so it was very dangerous. There was arctics and cars and everything beeping and just swerving out of the way of us. So, well, the daughter was with me. So Did I you get an awful fright? Yeah, I just told her, get out of the car and jump over the, onto the verge. God. So, that's what the two of us did. We just, I joined the hazards and I basically just jumped over the verge and... I rang the guards then straight away. So this now is causing a serious hazard to oncoming tra- traffic coming behind you. Yes, and I was also nearly sticking out onto the lift, the first lane of the link. So I was getting caught both ways, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, but you did you try and get it in as safely as you could in spite of all of that? I was I was right up against the verge. I couldn't go any any closer. Hazards on. Both of you got out. You called the guards at eight o four p.m. Yes, and they took my details and told me they'd ring my insurance company and they'd send somebody out, and that never happened. So I was on hold with my insurance company for nearly oh, so an hour. So they said they'd send somebody out and told you to ring your insurance company because our insurance policies have tow truck insurance yeah. on them. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So that's what I did. I rang my insurance company. I was on an automated service saying they were busy for nearly an hour and we said I was still on hold with them at nine o'clock and then I saw the blue flashing lights and I thought it was the guards but it wasn't it was a HSE ambulance that stopped right behind my car and he was talking to my daughter because I was just um, the insurance company just picked up so I was trying to explain to them and he, um, Frank was his name, he, he stopped and he told the daughter that he will not leave until the guards come, that the guards shouldn't be long. And, um, What's with the tow truck company? What's with the insurance? Though? I mean, I is it that they're really... I not that either. Yeah, like they, unless, unless they're really busy with call-outs when the weather is shocking like it was, but... Maybe, yeah. Um, the person then on the, the insurance also told me they could be waiting three hours. But thankfully, that wasn't the case. So, but um, 
it was just I don't know, it was just a really, really bad night. Everything that went everything went wrong. So what did you do so, next? I mean the ambulance driver the ambulance was an actual ambulance, was it? It was a he was a car. ambulance, car. but it, you know, yeah, the car. Okay. But um he just worked in the hospital. I think he um dropped sick people from hospital to hospital or home to hospital and stuff like that. But um he stopped, thanks be to God he stopped. But um he like that same man was on the road since four or five o'clock that morning and this is at nine o'clock at night. So he was on the way home. But uh, he said it was too dangerous. He said that, he said, I don't know how you haven't been killed. Because I told him I was there about 45 minutes at that time. And he said, I don't know how you haven't been killed. Right. So he told me then just to get back into our car that he'll stay behind us and warm up. Because we were standing out for an hour, myself and the daughter. So I got my brother then to collect the daughter. She went home and I waited. And thankfully, uh, Frank Higgins waited with me. You said, uh, you said the HSC driver stopped and he said, don't worry, I won't leave the two of you until you're safe. What a wonderful man he was. He was on the road since four o'clock that morning, getting sick people to and from hospitals. And he stayed with us until 25 to 11 until a tow truck eventually arrived. Did, did he drop you off anywhere? No, the tow truck, um, the, I went with the tow truck um, to Stephen Murphy's Tire World. So you go with your car. So I went there with my car then, and then that man had three calls, three other calls while I was with him. Ah, so yeah. he, had, he so, had to go and collect other people. So, so they I, were up I the walked. walls then? Oh, they were up the walls, yeah. Okay. Because I know in some parts, down around Dunkettle, for instance, a 1-800 number up there saying free tow truck facility. You actually call a specific number and a free tow truck comes and gets you. Um, but that doesn't apply to anywhere else apart from around Dunkettle. There, there probably should be a tow truck 24-7 just for that stretch, shouldn't there? Yeah, definitely. I actually tried ringing my own tow truck while I was on hold with my insurance company and I got through to a guy in Glanmire and he told me he'd be 45 minutes and just as I told him, work away, I, you know, I had to pay for it myself and uh, he said, I told him, work away, but... Then just as five minutes later, my own insurance company answered. So I, I got the daughter to ring him back. Gotcha. Fair play. I yeah. cancelled yeah. him then. Okay, so just, just back to what is criticism of the guardie. That's, that's what you wanted to pick up on though, wasn't it? Well, my main thing was to pick up on Frank, to be honest. But True. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with the guards either. Because, like, I rang back at 20 past nine. Um, to see, because actually Frank told me, he said, you want to ring them back? So I rang him back, and at 20 past nine, it was like, it was the first time I was ever talking to him. And the guard said to me, um, oh, I will log that there now for you. And I goes, Should that, shouldn't that have been logged at five past eight when I rang the first time? Yeah. And he basically got a bit cross me then. He goes, what do you want me to do? Make up guards that I don't have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know what? Although he was abrupt with you, he's not far from the truth. Or at, at least no, that's, no. that's what I would, I would believe to be the case. Although I think you passed the guard station then, did you, subsequent to that? Well, when my brother collected my daughter, I asked the daughter to have a look in the guard station and to see what a car's around. And then when I walked home, passed it at around 11 o'clock. Was that Toker? Yeah, Toker, yeah. Right. There, and there was three or four cars, the Jeep and the Garda van. Oh, by the way, Neil, the Garda van actually passed us 
indicated out over the verge and passed us and just kept going. But hang on a second, you're, you're, you're actually, you're a hazard there. That's a danger. Yeah, and he actually passed us because Frank was there going, yeah, geez, he's definitely stopping and he just indicated and drove straight past us. And you had hazards on and everything? Frank had the blue lights flashing, you know, the doctor lights. What? So, yeah, he had them <laughs> flashing and he just indicated and drove past us. But there so could have been a pile-up at any time. Yeah, there were, we had a few close misses, no, Neil, to be honest, um, with Arctics and stuff. So it wasn't nice. Um, and as motorists were passing, were they flashing and blowing the horn and all sorts of things like that? Yeah, there was a few beeps and flashing and as if, like, it was my fault kind of a thing, you think, you know. But I, I was going back the road this morning. I was trying to wave people down just to slow down. Oh, my God. But, Neil, but sure, it was so dark and... I was um, I was in dark enough clothes, so they probably didn't even see me. Oh, I know, I know. You're living through a nightmare, trying to prevent anything worse happening. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So when when you when your daughter passed Toker, that's what you saw. She saw she saw all of the guard vehicles just parked there. Yeah, and then obviously later on when I went, that was we say half nine quarter to ten, and then later on when I was after dropping the car with the tow truck. I was walking past and I was on to my wife and I said, I'm going to call into the guards, I'm not happy with this. And as I was walking past them, I said, I won't, I'll leave it go. And then just, just as that happened, then there was a guard, a jeep pulled in. So I went over and I tapped on the window and I said to them, just, I go, yeah, I can, just to let you know that we're safe and well, no thanks to yourselves. Mm. And he basically told me, oh, I know what you're on about. He said, there, there must have been some mix up. He said, with them, I think we have to go to another incident on the same road. And I goes, look, that's a load of baloney. I said, a guard van passed me. I said, there was no way, there was no, like, there was no other incident on that road. Yeah. And there was also, he said, we're very busy. And I looked and I saw three cars, a van, two Jeeps. Like, you know, anyone from Torquay knows that the guard station when you if you go in the gears the gear station on the right hand side there's a set down area. Yeah. That's where all the guard of cars park that are yeah. working. Yeah. And there might be another three or four down the very back on the left that are obviously not working. I know. But there was a lot there like Well I so hope I that they I, I know you were disappointed. And and I hope that there is some sort of a, a I'm not saying a, an investigation into that, but that they look as to why that happened. Um but more importantly why a guard of van would indicate and go around a hazard and not stop. Seeing an ambulance with hazards on and with the blue flashing ambulance light on, you would think the van would stop. Yeah. So that's what we thought. We thought he was just going to pull in ahead of us and he just indicated and pulled out past us and just kept going. Okay. And that was the van then that was in the car park an hour later or whenever it was. No, no, no. later. It's hard to defend that. It really and truly is based on what you're telling guard, me. The guard I was talking, to, he did apologise and I accepted his apology but as I said to him, I said, your apology you know, doesn't mean nothing if, if someone died. Like, And it could have happened. So, it could have happened. It could have happened. Anyway, listen, thanks for retelling the story. Hopefully a lesson will be learned by broadcasting it. But to the HSC driver, it's a big thank you, isn't it? Frank Higgins, Jesus, thanks very much. He was very good. He was. He didn't have to do. He put himself in danger for us. So a big shout out to Frank and 
thanks very much for everything. Love to be able to track him down and give him something nice. Wouldn't it be nice? Find him. Yes, uh, I said that in the email, and I'll hamper for Frank, please. Listen, if I can track him down, there is a hamper. Well, there's a, there's a voucher for McCarthy's uh, Butchers on Hawks Road. 100 euro voucher. You can buy a turkey or a ham or some steaks or whatever he wants. How's that? Well, I think everybody seems to know him anyway because... As soon as he said he was from Ballybehan, he knew all my wife's family, and <laughs> That's always so he so he seemed to. I say he's a popular man. All right, well, so, let's see if we well, can get details. Let's see if we can details. Happy Christmas, you nonetheless, Liam, and thanks. Thank God that everything is okay. Appreciate the call. Cheers, Neil. Thanks. All right, bye. Show. Okay, take Cheers, care. Bye-bye. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. After the break, where the teachers tended the students uh, with Christmas dinner during the week. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. Yeah, and so on Friday, Seamus took a trip to Skull Yusagon in Farinry, the primary school's annual Christmas dinner. So every year, the teachers tend to the kids. So a bit of a role reversal there in the case of them serving the kids their Christmas dinner and all the trimmings. Incidentally, Seamus also tucked into a Christmas dinner himself, as you would do for research purposes. So he had the turkey and the ham and all of the trimmings, just like the kids did, all served by the teachers. He had a good chat with the kids about how they'd be spending Christmas, what Santy's going to bring, um, and also asked them to critique the school dinner that was served. Have an ace to this from Farron Reeve from Friday afternoon. Great fun. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I usually go to uh, my nan's down in Bantry and um, I, I'm going to go on my motorbike with my uh, granddad. And is that what you're getting from Santa, a motorbike, or do you have no, one already? my uh, granddad has lots. And what did you ask Santa for? Um, a Liverpool t-shirt and a ball. Oh, nice one. And I did ask for a surprise for me. Okay. And where does he normally leave the presents? At the end of your bed or is it downstairs? Um, I have like a bag, a huge bag, and he puts them in there. Oh, that's nice. So you'll spend Christmas in Bantry? Yeah. So the long spin down, so will you go down Christmas Eve? And I come back the 27th. Have you written your letter to Santa already? Yeah. And what did you ask him for? A keyboard mouse. Nice one. And uh, were you talking to him inside? No. No. You want to figure out now if you're on the nice list or not, you better ask him. <laughs> what about yourself? Uh, I'm getting a kayak and a pair of football boots. A kayak? Where are you going to put the kayak? Uh, out down, because my auntie has a caravan down in uh, Ventry, down in Kerry. And uh, there's, all, there's a big beach in the car- by the caravan park. And uh, we go down there every year. So you're going to keep it down there, are you? Yeah. And will Santa deliver it to Ventry or will he deliver it to you? To me. That'll be a very big present to put the end of your bed though, won't it? <laughs> will it fit down the chimney, do you think? <laughs> Probably. How are you going to spend Christmas? What, what do you normally do? What's uh, your Christmas like? Usually we go to Mass and then we go up to my Nan's house for um, just like we do kind of like bingo and we have like a bag and there's a lot of presents inside it and if you win bingo you get to uh, pick out a present from the bag. Oh, what sort of presents would it would be in there? Like a head of lettuce or a head of cabbage, is it? Like, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. What are the, what are the, what's the worst one you've ever got? I think probably a box of tissues, I think it was. What? <laughs> and what about yourself? How are you going to spend Christmas? Um, I'm going down to my cousin's on Christmas Eve in uh, Bullock. And then I asked Santa for uh, Champions League football and a couple... 
um, football jerseys. And do you always go down to your cousin's Christmas Eve? Yeah. So he'll know where to bring the presents? No, I no, I go down there on Christmas Eve to, vi- to visit, then I come back for Oh, you come Christmas. home, so, okay, and the presents will be there when you wake up for Christmas morning? Yes. And what would you have for Christmas dinner now at home? Um, like mashed poppies and stuff. And what did you have here today? Just the mashed poppies, is it? You didn't have the turkey and ham or the Brussels sprouts? No. No? And did you get to talk to Santa? No. Not yet? And is this your first year in the in the holla for Christmas dinner? Um, no. I've been I've been down here before. Okay, and um, is it better than being in the classrooms like you were last year? Yeah. And what's it like with the teachers serving you food? Um it's, it's a bit weird. <laughs> a bit weird. Would you not like it every day? No. With the teachers now serving you food today, does that mean that you have to do all the wash-up? No. No? No. Would you not give them a hand and say thank you? They're in plastic containers and when we're done with them, we throw them away. Sure, it's Christmas once more. Lee rocking around the Christmas tree and well done to everybody at Skull, Isagon and Farnry. They had no Brussels sprouts by all accounts. <laughs> I suppose the kids were happy with that but they did have a big huge massive muffin uh, for dessert and they had a great day on Friday where the teachers served the pupils. Um, there is some good news. The latest list of life expectancy at birth for EU countries shows that Ireland is top of the charts which means that you know not not for people who are maybe yeah, my age or, or indeed older, even a bit younger. It really doesn't apply. It's kind of for those that are born now or recently. They will live much, much longer. I think they're saying that the average life expectancy in Ireland at the moment is somewhere in the region of about 82, 83 years of age. Now, I know the women live a little bit longer statistically than men. So there ain't nothing we can do about that, lads. But we're number one, Ireland, followed by Cyprus, Spain, Sweden, France, Italy, Malta, Luxembourg and Finland. So that's kind of like the top 10 for you. So a lot to look forward to. And one other one that, um, you know, well, I suppose, you know, assuming that you're having a happy life and you want to live longer. But there's a a very interesting story of a pub up in Belfast called Bittles. And the publican there is a guy called John Bittles. And he's put down a bit of a marker. This used to happen in Cork years and years ago. um, Where, you know, and, and I know Brian in the high B had his own rules and laws down through the years. And John Bittles is a bit like Brian. He refuses to serve people uh, minerals like a glass of Coke. And apparently he recently in Belfast refused to serve a glass of Coca-Cola to a customer in his bar. Um, And apparently, as usual, it sparked a furious response online. But he's totally unrepentant. Um, And what he told the punter was, well, apparently this guy came in and he ordered a Coca-Cola, a glass of Coke. He says, that doesn't really work for me. He says, we have a small number of tables. So someone sitting down there at their own table nursing a Coca-Cola just isn't ideal. He says that we serve 700 pints of Guinness a day. He says 700 pints. Uh, He also has a sign up there warning that no one can order a half pint of Guinness. (laughs) It's only pints apparently. What's the point, he says? You often see tourists come in and order a half pint and then they sit there with it for ages 
We're a small bar. He also recently had a sign up during COVID which said, no jab, no juice. We've all seen the tourists, though. I mean, I've seen them myself. You could have three or four tourists down in West Cork or South Kerry and they're sitting down at a table and they're sharing a pint of Guinness. Sharing. I mean, the publicans would be tearing their hair out for that. But years and years ago, um, I, I can recall a time in certain establishments uh, where women weren't served pints. Just weren't. I mean, you go back further, there was a time when women weren't left left into the public bar and then the snog came along and women went into the snog and men went into the bar. But, you know, women were not served pints, glasses only. Uh, if you go back far enough down to, to Douglas, that was the case in one of the pubs down there. So a lot has changed, but your man is standing by his guns. No Coca-Colas, no minerals, no half pints. Uh, morning, this is Emma in Ballady Hob. Back to me again. You might remember that Emma was part of uh, Neil's five stars, a ten thousand euro uh, prize at the time, which Andrew won. But Emma helped because she got the fourth voice, and then Andrew came on and got the fifth voice. I was wondering if you could help me with something. It's safe to say I was a bit shocked when I was on air with you and Andrew on Friday. So I would like to properly thank Andrew and let him know how grateful I am. I've sent a Christmas card to Red FM and really would appreciate it if you could forward it on to Andrew. Let me know if it's possible. It certainly is, Emma. I know that you weren't there for the handover um, at Soundstore in Middleton on Friday. Andrew, lads, if you didn't hear Friday's programme, won 10 grand that he will spend in Soundstore in Middleton. But he's put aside 1,000 euro of that for Emma from Ballady Hob to also share in the prize and I thought that was a wonderful thing. So Emma, thanks for coming back to me. Enjoy spending the 1,000 euro. Andrew will certainly enjoy spending the 9,000 euro and as soon as I get the card, I will pass it on to him. And just one quick one here. I'd love if you could send a huge thank you to a young man called Ben from Merview Lawn in Dublin Hill. My daughter left her iPhone 12 on the Cork to Blarney bus on Saturday. She did not have the find my iPhone on and her location was also turned off. So there was no way of finding the phone. About two hours after she lost it, I got a phone call from this boy's mother, as in Ben from Merview Lawn in Dublin Hill. Got a call from the boy's mother saying her son had found the phone on the bus and he was able to get up her emergency contact, which was me. Uh, Some people might say, Ira, what's the big deal about it? But I think Ben's mum should be very proud of her son and he should be very proud of himself for being so honest. We did get the phone back And they were really lovely people. Happy Christmas to Ben and his family. And the same to you, Neil. Thanks if you get to read this out. Jacinta and Molly. So that is a wonderful gesture of kindness, honesty, and also generosity to give it back. So he never thought twice about it. Brought the phone home, told his ma'am. They found the number and called it. So Ben from Merview Lawn in Dublin Hill. Well done, kid. And you are right. Uh, to his mother, you have reared one fabulous young fella. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. I want to chat to Maffer Gonzalez, originally from Buenos Aires, but in Ireland many years and down in Ahada. Maffer, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Uh, I suppose there's only one person's name on all Argentinian lips this morning, and that's Messi. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> did yeah, you? Oh, my God. What did, you, did you watch it? Yes, of course I watched it. I was just, uh, I, was, I was home. I was in East Cork. I was, I was at home, and uh, oh, my God, what a match. Uh, like the first half an hour, I just, I was feeling very strange. I was like, I'm feeling nothing here. I mean, we're playing, we're playing really well, but. 
I couldn't really grasp why France wasn't reacting. I wanted a little bit more of drama. And, and God, did we get drama in the end? It was just too much drama in the end. When when Argentina amazing. were 2-0 up, you probably were thinking, this is just a walk in the park. I wish mm. France would do better, is it? No, no. I was actually, like, remember the last couple of matches? Like, we're always starting like this with two goals or one goal. Then Saudi Arabia, you know, knocked us down with two goals. And then the same happened with the Netherlands. It's kind of like the story was repeating itself. So I was actually very cautious to to celebrate. Did you and nearly then, have a heart attack when France scored two oh, goals in 90 I took, seconds? <laughs> I took my blood pressure because I was really worried. I have a monitor. I was like, oh my God, this is just, I can't watch this. I walked away at one point and we scored the third goal. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I have, to, I have to walk away completely now so that we can win. Was I your monitor off the charts? Like, did your blood pressure go through the roof? Yes, it was. Normally, I have a really steady blood pressure, but it was something like 130, you know. It was crazy. <laughs> it was so nuts, then it was 3-2, and then 3-3, three, three, and then oh. extra time. <laughs> what oh, were you thinking? God, the penalties were nuts. <laughs> what, did you think of, what did you think of Messi's penalty, though? He just rolled Messi's it in. Penalty? Oh, it was, it was fab. Uh, I just thought... I was actually very worried and I'm like, I don't want this guy to leave the World Cup missing a penalty. I want him to be able to score it. You know, in previous World Cups, he didn't have the best record for shooting penalties. So we were all rooting for everyone really to shoot. But if there was one person we really wanted this for, it's for Messi. So I'm delighted that he got that one in the bag first and then the rest is history, you know, and then the rest is all down to to our keeper, to, our, to the goalkeeper, Dibu, you know, which did an amazing job. Uh, yeah, I know, his, uh, I know. But he was kind of messing, you know, from Messi to Messer. Like, he was acting the fool with the ball. It's, I suppose you can do that, can you? Yeah, well, I, I actually didn't see that. And maybe that I'm being biased and I didn't see that at all. I think he does this all the time. <laughs> Every time he's going to shoot a penalty, it's kind of like he's trying to, he, he waits and he tries to read the keeper and then he... I don't know. He did it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all about I mean, trying to distract the penalty like taker, I suppose. It's all part of, of the strategies. But there was a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of Argentinians in Cork, isn't there? There was, there was a big party, for instance, watching the match inside in the Old Oak. And then there was... Did you, I played some audio early on this morning. Have a listen to the Argentinian fans on Oliver Plunkett Street. <laughs> Tell us, Maffer, what are they singing? What are they saying? Um, it means, this is one of the songs that says, um, Argentina is a feeling, it's a feeling that I cannot stop. <laughs> so it's one of our very traditional football songs. And I am so surprised. I, I, I didn't get to go to Cork City. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in this Cork here, but yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised because um, when I came to Ireland 24 years ago, I was probably the only Argentinian I knew. I, was, <laughs> I only knew one or two, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. And now it's, it's crazy to see that I was even able to order Argentinian food that came all the way from Donegal. What? And this lady who does Argentinian food, she did a tour around the, the country over the weekend to do delivery for the match. Get away. So, so I, what did you I, order in when you say Argentinian? I guess that would feature beef, would it? Yeah, so I had some something called Vitel Tone, which is like a cold meat with like a tuna sauce and capers. <laughs> And then I had some schnitzels, which is another Argentinian typical. I know it's Austrian, but it's also an Argentinian dish. <laughs> And empanadas, which are these pasties. So I ordered all of this and just consumed it all yesterday. So it was great to have a full 
full-on day of Argentina in Ireland. But now. did you so, have friends uh, over for a few beers? Other Argentinians with you? No, I actually have a friend, one of my best friends. She's from Catalonia. She's, she's from Barcelona. So she's a big Messi fan. She's a footballer herself, so she knows very well. So I said, look, why don't you come watch it with us? And I also watch it with my wife here in, in his court. Just the three of us celebrating and keeping a low profile and, you know, uh, still being able to celebrate grandly. What's it going to be like then? I think the team will be back in Buenos Aires, won't they? Maybe, I don't know, in 25, 30 hours' time. But the party will go on for days, won't it? Oh, the party, yeah. I think that they declare today a public holiday or something like that. And uh, I don't think there's going to be any work being done. But you need to remember that this is very unique for, for us in Argentina because usually the World Cups happen in the winter for yeah, us. Yeah. So it's usually July, August. And this week is the start of the summer holidays. So Argentinians are buzzing already with the whole, uh, you know, going away for the seaside, going on holidays. Yeah. And they, so it's like triple celebrations. Yeah. yeah. They love to party then. They love to party. They, they love to take on the streets. And you know what is really lovely that I'm seeing this time? For the first time, we're actually taking on that avenue to celebrate instead of always protesting or going against something. For once, we're taking on this avenue, which is iconic for us, to actually celebrate and become one. And that's what I love about this World Cup. It really brought the best in Argentinian people. And, and, and we work together as a team and it gave us a little bit of unity, you know. Yeah, and, and, I know. and I love I to know. see that. I know. You're probably too young to remember uh, Maradona, are you? Like, what was that, 36 uh, years ago? Mister, I was in the final 1978, Argentina, Netherlands, in Buenos Aires, in my neighborhood. <laughs> I watched the final. I was what? three, but I remember. So I do remember Maradona. He's a big part of my childhood. What? Uh, you know, he's a controversial character, and but we love him in Argentina. We forgive all of his silliness and all the controversial stuff he's done. But for us, Maradona, it's, it's a bit like a god, you know, with all his flaws. He, he, he represents my childhood to me. He represents happiness. He represents Sunday afternoons watching the World Cup and giving us so much joy after a tough uh, decade, which was the 80s in Argentina. Was Very hard. Tough, yeah. and he gave us some hope. With military uh, and some, some happiness. So, so yeah. and if you had to choose, who's the better player, do you Think. I mean, it's a very different game now. I mean, Maradona yeah. was constantly being chopped down, wasn't he? The rules are tighter now. He got butchered and battered on the pitch. You're actually, but you're actually right. That's a very good, valid point. I didn't realize that. But yeah, he was constantly being butchered. And I think the two of them are geniuses, okay? The two of them are geniuses. If you ask me, I would prefer Messi's attitude. I think it is a little bit more humble. And he, he gets it all together. He's a little bit more... Uh, relax in that way. Maradona, a genius, but a crazy genius, you know, and with all of that comes controversial stuff. Uh, so I, I will always love Maradona forever, uh, but I also love Messi now, even though he's not from my generation. I love him for his attitude, for what he brought to the Argentinian people and for his unbelievable genius football. What about poor Mbappe, though? To be the second player ever after Jeff Hurst to score a hat-trick in the World Cup final and still not win. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? Uh, who is Mbappe anyway? <laughs> oh, the lad that scored all those goals yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Look, that guy still has a lot, a lot of trajectory in his career. He's he, only starting up. You're spot on. I think yeah. he's going to be able to do more World Cups. So I, I wish him and all the French team all the best. They've been great contestants. <laughs> 
they really broke the game up. Uh, like, that was unbelievable. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Mbappe is starting out, whereas Messi is, Messi is coming to an end. And it's, it's, it's only fair, really. You know, I think everybody's on board with Argentina really winning, to be honest know, with you. you know? I know, I know, I <laughs> know. I know, and the Irish people have been so supportive. It's been so nice to get all these messages. I think I got more messages to, to congratulate me for yesterday than for my own wedding. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you know, people have been so supportive. Irish, but in particularly, I'm super happy that all of my Brazilian friends have been wishing me well, uh, even though they're my friends. You know, we have rivalry with Brazil, yeah. and that's always going to be there. It would be hard for me to wish uh, the Brazilian team well, but I would, because yeah. now I realize how kind they've been to us and how everybody's been so supportive. So I'm over the moon on that side as well. It's not just the football per se. I'm delighted. But you see you. the camaraderie and the wishing well from the people. You're a great chatter, I can tell you that, for instance. I'm you don't hold back. You're a chatterbox. <laughs> and tell me, just before I let you go, what would Christmas Day like be for you, Argentinian? What kind of traditions will you have? That's an amazing question. I tell you what, in 25 years I'm living in Ireland, there's one thing I can't get over, and that is Christmas in the winter. We spend <laughs> Christmas, obviously, because we're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's summer, we do barbecues and stuff. So usually I'm a little bit um, keeping a low profile for Christmas. So I will be celebrating at home here. And to me, it's more like a time of the year to kind of slow down. But I probably won't be doing too much stuff because I feel like uh, I don't like to be out in the cold weather in, 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 in Christmas. So it's a bit strange for me still. But you guys you know? don't eat turkey and ham, do you? You, you don't... I, I, I will have turkey. No, we don't eat turkey and ham. That's very true. We, we eat cold meat. We do eat turkey, but it's cold. We do a lot of cold meat because usually it's a very hot uh, week, the week of um, yeah. Christmas. Yeah. So we normally will eat in cold stuff and some people will do barbecue, but usually it will be like ham and melon. Or um, yeah, or the or cold turkey or cold meat. Yeah, in general. Well, whatever you get up to on Christmas Day, happy Christmas to you and congratulations on a wonderful thank you so win. Much. Yeah, you thank should you so be... much for the opportunity to, to, to share the joy with all the listeners. It's okay? lovely chatting with you. Don't be a stranger, Maffer. Lovely chatting with you. Happy Christmas and well done. Thank you so much. Okay, take care of yourself. Best, guys. She's a jewel in the crown. She really is. Mafra Gonzalez, Dan Ahada. She's got her own fitness company down there, Feel Good Fitness in Ahada. What was it like, though, to be right in the middle of the stadium for the World Cup final yesterday? We spoke in the past to Kirby Kearns, who's lived and worked there for many years now and is his own company and actually was part of the pitch for the Qatar World Cup with his telecommunications company. And he was at the match yesterday. Kirby, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. How are you doing, man? What was it like? The atmosphere, um, the noise. Uh, it was palpable, man. It was it was insane. The uh, the Argentinian fans, in particular, were just uh, just rousing. You know, it was uh, it was such a privilege to be at um, you know such a, an historic match, and it was you know touch and go. Uh, it was great. It was fantastic. But I, I'd say it seemed to me that the Argentinian supporters way outnumbered the French, did they? Dwarfed, dwarfed them. And, I, you know, I don't really know why that is because um, Qatar has a pretty strong French contingent and a very small Argentinian con- contingent. So they all flew here specifically 
to uh, to attend the match or, or the tournament in general. Um, and they had an, a great time. They are such good supporters. You know, they're great fun. They're uh, they've got a great energy about but them. But you know, when they, when they went two 0 up, like they must have been joyous yeah. at that stage, right? And then, oh do, man, I, I think I think most people in the stadium at that stage thought it was going to be a four 0 whip, uh, whipping. You know, um, and it didn't take very long for the French to turn it around. Um, and that's that's when the game began in earnest, you know. When How did was, the uh, so when when, it, when France went two two in ninety seconds, was there silence yeah. from the Argentinians then? Oh no no, that made him even louder. <laughs> screaming and shouting out of them was just it was insane. It was absolutely and. I, I was sitting uh, right above where the main body of Argentinian supporters were, so right behind the goal. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it, w- it was fantastic. The energy was just the noise of it all. It was, uh, it was a- an amazing experience. And then, of course, you had extra time, and then you had penalties. You couldn't have written the script better oh. to be at that match. Oh, m- man, absolutely historic, you know. You just, you, you absolutely could not. It was definitely, without a doubt, it's uh, the only World Cup I've ever been at, or World Cup final that I've ever been at, um, but it was the most spectacular one I've ever watched. You know, it was uh, it, it kept like the story kept writing itself. It was brilliant. And tell me, who were you actually supporting, or did you mind? Oh no, uh, no, I uh, I was decked out in the Argentinian colours. I had my war paint on and. Uh, and uh, had my Argentinian jersey and a, and a jester hat on and the whole kit and caboodle. So I went there uh, uh, full on. I, I I was hoping for Messi to be able to lift the World Cup, you know, the very first one. And uh, and I'm I'm glad that it turned out there's that a, way. Very, a, very happy. Kevin sent me a screen grab of a fella right in the middle of the Argentinian supporters. I don't know if anybody else has seen this. They're all wearing Argentinian jerseys. And right in the middle of them is a guy wearing a jersey that's very similar to the Argentinian jersey, but it's the Dublin Ga jersey, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always an Irishman somewhere, isn't there? <laughs> there's always one, isn't there? Fantastic. Actually, I've met I met quite a lot of Irish people at the match last night because even though I was decked out in um, in the Argentinian colours, I was wrapped in an Irish flag. So uh, um, anybody who was from our side of the pond, uh, you know, said hello, and there was quite a few people there. But they've been uh, hard to Ireland. get then tickets for a World Cup final for an Irish person. Uh, yes, yes. Um, I, I've been lucky enough to have worked with FIFA for the last five years. So, uh, um, you know, it, it, they kind of came my way through uh, through work. Um, no, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying you. Like. I'm just saying, no, because you worked there. You were part oh, of the bid. I'm just general. saying for punters. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that I don't really know. It was a the the way the tickets were dished out was on a lottery basis. So you you know you you, you put in your name for whatever matches you want to go. Some people got them, some people didn't. So um, you know, I guess there was a and it was also a, a, a buying frenzy. You know, in the days leading up to the match, of people who couldn't go and wanted to trade tickets and stuff. So. Um, you, you know, I, you, you could get them, but they were a bit like hen's teeth. All right. So after the penalties, and of course, then they lifted the Jules remake. What was it like afterwards? Certainly outside the stadium oh. and around the city. Uh, well, like the, the 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 inside of the stadium when they uh, when they lifted the trophy, the the, the light show was just absolutely phenomenal. It was uh, like nothing I've ever seen. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible. They let fireworks off from the top of the roof of the stadium, so it uh, you know all added to the atmosphere. And then uh, then Argentina, uh, Argent, the Argentinian team 
uh, drove down through Lucille Boulevard, which is uh, the main drag um, of Lucille City, in an open-top bus, and the celebrations were just, just went on into the wee hours of the morning. And I suppose, looking back on it now, apart from all of the other stories that we all got to hear more of and human rights issues in, in Qatar, they, yeah. they don't seem to have put a foot wrong. It went very smoothly, and there was no trouble, I believe. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. I am. Um, it was so well organised, so incredibly well organised. Everything from the transport to the security to the the, the food and beverages yeah. to. Um, it was great. It was great. And personally, like I've I've been to. I I, I enjoy a point as much as the next guy. But uh, what I don't like is sitting in a stadium and where people are just getting up and down, up you know, to the bar every ten minutes yeah. and coming back and with six beers and spilling one all over you and you know all that kind of stuff. You know, I could certainly do without that. And there wasn't any of that. You know, it was. Uh, um, it's ironic though that it, the whole thing started off with a beer ban. <laughs> uh, you know, band beer, and then ended up with a champagne toast at the end of it. I thought that was pretty ironic. I know, I know. You know what so, will they do yeah. with those stadiums, Kirby? Um, well, some of them um, will be decommissioned, uh, deconstructed. They were built kind of like IKEA flat pack stadiums in that uh, they can de- deconstruct them pretty easily um, and they th- there's there's three of them that are earmarked for uh, different parts of the world so yeah. they'll de- deconstruct them here, put them on a ship, send them down to um, more disadvantaged countries and rebuild them again. Kind of makes it um, like a bit of a pop-up World Cup, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. but it, but it's great. It's great for the sport, you know. I mean, having the tournament in this part of the world, you know, like first World Cup in the Middle East, uh, first World Cup in a majority Muslim country, I think has been an absolute fantastic thing for the sport itself. And uh, also having Morocco to be the first Arab team to progress so far in the tournament, it's been uh, it's been a win win all around for everyone. Next, I think. next World Cup, USA, Canada, and Mexico, I believe, isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's going to be a bit more difficult. I mean, the, the one thing about uh, them hosting it in a place like Qatar is it's so compact. I agree. Like get the, out, uh, the next one would be all over in, the North American all continent and Mexico. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here you could go see three matches in one day. Um, yeah, Seattle, yeah, San you know, Francisco, and, you know, Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston, Guadalajara, Atlanta, Miami, I, Philly, New York, Boston, Kansas, uh, you know, not even and to- Toronto, uh, Vancouver. My God, you! I mean, um, if, if, God, Ar- if Ireland more, get into that World Cup, there'll be a lot of Irish people taking out serious credit union loans for that. <laughs> I think I'll be at the back of that queue. What? <laughs> yeah. I think I'll be at the back of that queue. <laughs> What's the story for Christmas Day for you, finally? What's going to happen? Uh, well, uh, my daughter lives in Korea. She's a school teacher in Seoul. Um, so I'm heading, out to, uh, I'm heading out to Seoul this year for Christmas. Um, there's a bit of snow out there and uh, get to see the daughter, whom I haven't seen for a while. That'll be but nice. traditionally, at Christmas here in Qatar, uh, it's usually about 25, 26 degrees. Um, they they have Christmas lunches that are normally tables on the beach kind of the vibe to it. Um, they still uh, they still spread a uh, fake snow in the window, even though it's twenty six degrees outside. But uh, 
Um, it kind of it all adds to the atmosphere. Well, listen, whatever you yeah. do, thank you so much for your contributions over the last few weeks. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Have a happy Christmas, your good self and all of the family there and indeed here in Cork. Any shout outs before you go? Uh, yeah, sorry. I look, all my family in Yule, and it's Sean and uh, Terry, Brian and Frankie's also there and Frankie's mom, Alison. So hello, everybody. Uh, I'll get to see you on the telephone soon. All right, my man. Happy Christmas, Kirby. Great chatting with Thank you. Thank you so much, Neil. And, and, and right back at you. Happy Christmas. Take care. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Okay, we have uh, another big box of offbeat donuts to give away It being Monday, the Monday Munchies A nice way to start off the week with an extra gift for you The Red Patrollers will deliver offbeat donuts They're circles of obsessions To whomever wins it, you need to share your text to 0868104106 As to why you deserve our box of donuts And you can go get them yourself from Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street so, uh, text 0868104106. If he were here with me, I would certainly be giving a congratulations and a celebratory box of donuts to the one and only Ronan Murphy from Smart Tech 247 because his company has been floated on the London Stock Exchange. A great achievement for a core company. Ronan joins me by phone. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Did you get to ring the bell? We did, yeah. We rang the bell during the week, so it's a huge, huge achievement. Very proud of uh, of everyone involved. So, yeah, it's a, a, a great moment for it's us. It's certainly... What, is, what does this mean, floating on the stock exchange? Yeah, it means we, we, we're moving from being a private company to being a public company, so... Um, people, anybody can buy shares in the company and then if we're successful in uh, delivering on our plans, the, the value of those shares increase. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's good for us. If you're successful, mother of God, man, your company's valued at 43 million. You are seriously successful. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's trying to make it more valuable than that. So you want, you want to drive the price of it up um, and that's obviously unique capital to do that and the being a public company gives you access to that capital so it's um, yeah it's, it's we just need to be more successful Neil and you will be with you at the helm a lot of staff employed now yeah yeah we're, I, I'm, I, know, I know the articles are saying about 114 or 150 I think we're we're closer to over 170 people now so it's um, yeah it's growing um, and I think we've for anyone listening who's interested in the job, I think we have about 50 or 60 open positions. It's hard to get people in, in the cybersecurity industry. So, so who are you looking for? Um, what kind of people? Everything. Sales, marketing, project management, engineering, application development, absolutely every role you can imagine. Because cybersecurity is only going one way, isn't it? I mean, cyber, it cyber theft anyway is only going one way. We've spoken about that many times. Yeah, look, it's estimated there's over two million job vacancies in cybersecurity. So, I mean, if you're if you're doing if you're going into college and you want to get into a, a growing area, get into cybersecurity. It's um, yeah. It's Did you start fast. very yeah. small then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we started off with three people, so it's uh, it's 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 an area that's growing uh, really quickly. Where did you start? Where was it? Here in Cork? What part? Yeah, here in Cork, down in uh, Monaghan Road. Isn't it amazing? And what kind yeah. of clients have you got? I know we've spoken in the past about international clients all over the world now, right? Yeah, I mean, some of the biggest companies in the world. I mean, we, we just signed um, a contract with the, the largest company in Florida, a company called AutoNation, largest car distributor in the world. 
So we're responsible for delivering all of their cyber security to them, as well as many household brands that you'd, you, you know, you'd know in Ireland, companies like Fexco and Leia Healthcare and many, many of those organisations. You know. That's amazing, isn't it? And the Kerry Group, I see, is another one. Yeah, yeah, you know, many of the leading brands in Ireland were responsible for all of their cybersecurity. But our fastest growing market, in fact, will be North America and, uh, and mainland Europe. So, so does uh, that mean now you've got an awful lot of uh, venture capitalists and those looking to invest? You know, the, the people from, um, you know, people that get behind big companies and take a punt on them, get huge returns, seed capital and stuff. Yeah, well, you've two options, right? You either try and raise capital on the public markets or you try and raise capital on privately through venture capitalists and so forth. So I decided to do it publicly through the public market yeah. mechanism. Yeah. Um, people do it in different ways. I went I went with the public route, which I would say is not for the faint-hearted. It's it's quite an ordeal to get it over the line. Um, many, many companies that attempt to go public will fail because of a uh, hundred different reasons yeah. um, that can occur. But uh, thankfully, we got this one over the line. What's the biggest threat out there now, do you think? The biggest threat from, from a cyber perspective? Correct. It depends who you are, right? If you're an individual, if you're a small company or if you're a large company. We saw what happened different. to the HSE, for instance, but say for people listening to this program. Yeah, I mean, look, the big one right now, that I think that's in the headlines, is this taxi scam and that, that, you know, the Independent wrote a big article about where um, people on their nights out are trying to get home, they're trying to get a, t- a taxi and there's individuals who are shoulder surfing them, trying to get the log into their phone and then when they try and get a taxi, they, they pull up, they jump into the back of the taxi and then they steal their phone they then go into the phone and they reset the uh, the access credentials on the phone and the, yeah. the the facial recognition and then they go in to clean out their bank account. So that's quite a big story right now in the in the papers. Um, so 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 the Gardaí and so forth are warning people to be to be careful of that and yeah. to watch out. So for, do we need for, to for move those. away so from pin numbers and stuff like that to iris re- iris iris recognition or thumbprints or what? Well, that's exactly what they're saying is the problem in this particular case, because what they're doing is when they get access to the phone, they're going in and they're resetting up the facial recognition controls in the phone because they've got access to it. And then they're using that facial recognition access to get access to the applications within their phone, such as, you know, online banking and so forth. Um, And then they're also saying, I mean, part of this problem is that a lot of people use the same uh, login code for their online banking that they used to get into their phone. Yeah. So these guys, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't say it's so much cyber security, it's more of a well-orchestrated scam in terms of getting access to people's banking. But the ones we see an awful lot now are the texts that people are getting, for instance. It's just day-to-day living. People listening to this program will get a text claiming from the, their, their bank or their energy supplier. Or another one that's going around now is these, uh, these fictitious uh, fake texts from HSE, uh, the COVID ones. Yeah. You know, the COVID ones. There's always another one, you know? You just have to yeah, be constantly all, on alert. You just have to be, just be careful of what you click on. I mean, the vast majority of this stuff is just designed to make you click. And once you click, they get their claws in. Once they get their claws in, they clean you out. So people just have to be, uh, you know, uber alert. Yeah, we talked a lot about this. Unfortunately, I don't know. You, you, you're not in the area of the of the of senior citizens who are being targeted. This is a more this is a more physical type of burglary and theft where people arrive at person's door. You know what I mean? That's that's a different area, isn't it? There's being increasing. Yeah, as well. look, it, that's a different area. We we typically don't deal with individuals per se, but over the years, some of the horror stories we I have we have got involved in out of um, kind of a corporate social responsibility. 
they've been truly terrifying. I mean, I've seen I've seen senior citizens lose their entire life savings yeah. because they've been successfully fished. They've clicked on a link or, you know, yeah, yeah, some yeah. sort of digital fraud has taken place. Yeah, But you jumped right in, didn't you, when the HSE was hacked? You were right in the middle of all of that. Well, I mean, there's, there's, 50, there's, there's approximately 50 hospitals in Ireland. We're responsible for protecting a number of the major hospitals. Amazing. Um, when, that, when that happened, none of our hospitals were hit. We successfully stopped the attack across all of our hospitals. Um, we then, as a result of the HSE attack, helped a number of hospitals in response to what what had happened. So, um, yeah, I mean, we were in the, right in the heart of, of that whole debacle. But you know something? I often think the banks must be losing a fortune of people's money. Do they? Do, and sometimes they have to pay the money back to people who've been caught and scammed. So are they on top of their game, banks, do you think? And Well, look, banks are getting, they're, they're definitely getting better. Like, you know how difficult it is now when you want to buy something online, right, with all the, the, the different levels of authentication. Um, where, where it becomes very problematic for individuals is, I mean, if an individual gives away their um, the, the, their access credentials and it's validated by multi-factor authentication. By the bank. And nobody individual themselves, right, because they didn't store their password uh, properly. I mean, they're not going to get their money back from the bank in that scenario because they've been because they've lost all of their money because they weren't. It's a bit like if you leave the keys of your house on on the wall and somebody goes in and cleans out your house. It, it, it's difficult to justify um, if, if you get scammed. Depending on how the scam happens, you're not always going to get your money back. Yeah, I know, I know. So, I know. so people have to be really careful in that regard. Yeah, because how do you know they just didn't clean out the money themselves? Yeah, I know. It's just that I I, I follow the Telegraph, um, and there's a fabulous back page on the Telegraph every week with a, a woman who gets money back from members of the public from banks. She's a huge success rate. These are people who are being scammed, punters, usually yeah. elderly people who wouldn't be all that tech savvy. But she has huge success getting the money the banks because invariably the bank's default is to say no. But when there's a bit of pushing, they tend to change their mind. Well, I'll give you a good example, right? I'll give you a good example. Um, a very common one for small businesses in Ireland would be what we call um, invoice fraud redirection, right? It's where, where email gets hacked and somebody gives fake bank account details. Yeah. So for example, let's say I'm advertising with Red FM and um, Red FM send me an invoice for the advertising, um, but the, the bank details are fake because somebody has sent a fake email. If I transfer a hundred thousand euros to a fake bank account, that's my bad. It's not the bank's fault. It's not anyone else's yeah. fault. It's my yeah. fault yeah. because I clicked. I, I I followed the incorrect. And there could be a letter in the wrong place or a full stop in the wrong place, and that's the only difference you spot. You wouldn't spot it. Exactly, exactly. So I, I've, you know, so it, it's all down to the, the particular um, uh, incident that's happened. But in these particular ones with these, these taxi uh, scams that are taking place in, in Dublin, I think it'll be difficult for them to get their money back because the bank will have said, look, we've given you four or five different mechanisms Layers, to, protect yeah. your, to protect your money. And if you've uh, given all of those credentials away, how can they validate that it wasn't you who took the money yourself? Yeah. Do you think the cash actually will be gone at some stage? We see more and more people moving out to tap and debit cards and Revolut and everything. That's is that going to be the end of cash? Um. Yeah. I mean, I never have cash, right? I'm all. It's always. It's always tap and so forth. But it's definitely becoming a lot less. Um, As in, you never carry cash at all. 
No, I never carry cash. I, it's just, you know, I travel an awful lot, so I'm in a lot of different countries. And yeah. Obviously, lots of different uh, currencies and so forth. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would say as, you know, the next generation, I would say it will, it will very much move towards a cashless society. Obviously, older people like to have cash. It's easier and so forth. But they've been freaked they, out by, I know this from experience, call this number, you're waiting on hold, push button one, push button two. You could be an hour on hold. Customer service is shockingly poor with a lot well, of shocking. companies. Shocking. Yeah, shocking. Shocking. I agree. I agree. You know, it's really and truly is. Maybe that's for another day. I just wanted to congratulate you, though, and wish you all of the best. It's a terrific, terrific achievement. And you should be I very proud that. of the company, Smart Tech 247. Are you aware of what's happening with Elon Musk at the moment on Twitter? They're voting, yeah. allowing people to vote as to whether he keeps his job. Yeah, it's fascinating watching it unfold. I mean, if he's in charge of running three major companies, SpaceX, Tesla, now Twitter, and he's got 10 children, I think. There's a, a few of them are under three years of age. Um, so you, you'd wonder how he has time for this. But I mean, from, from Musk's perspective, he believes, he said this, that, you know, he sees Twitter as the de facto town square and that free speech is vital for, you know, a properly functioning democracy. And he also fancies himself as, uh, as what does he say? He's, he, he's crucial to the future of civil, civilization. But the one, the one thing he, he maybe hasn't um properly weighed up is how hard it is to moderate social media and he's learning that I think really really quickly Why would Conor McGregor be able to post a tweet like he did about PJ Gallagher at half past one in the morning like you talk about policing the internet and free speech that's a step too far man Oh it's way too far yeah absolutely it's um, it's way too far and I mean it, it when it goes wrong, it goes wrong spectacularly. And um, I think Conor McGregor's learning that, but I think Musk is learning that as well. So what are they doing now? They're voting as to whether or not he should stay as the chief. And 50, oh, I was on the screen, 57.5% of people say that he should step down. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I like Musk. I, I You know, he's, he's a contrarian. He likes to kind of challenge the status quo. Um, and... Uh, the problem with Twitter is that look, it's 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 losing money at a at a, an astounding rate. Yeah. It, it could very easily go bankrupt. Uh, there's very few people that could probably keep it afloat. He's one of them. Um, I'm not sure many people would like that job. It's um, it's a very difficult job because you, no matter what you do, you're going to uh, annoy one side but of the debate, whether I know. it's the right or the left. But isn't it amazing that something as hugely powerful and popular as Twitter, like 17.5 million people have voted, um, the, the poll has just closed, incidentally, as I'm thinking of, but that it's so big, it can't make money. It's advertising, right? And the problem is that if you, depending on who it is that you're keeping happy, the advertisers, whichever way, wherever they want to put their advertising dollars, uh, they'll advertise on the platform. But if you're alienating the left or if you're alienating the right, uh, they'll decide, you know, these corporations decide they do not want to put their advertising dollars with Twitter. And when they pull, they pull big, like, yeah. When they pull, they pull big. And the problem now is that uh, Musk is, is, is he's, he's alienating, you know, I think, both the right and the left. So, I mean, he came out and he did come out and apologise for some of the, um, the, the the account banning that he did last week. And that was due to this doxing where people were showing his location and so forth. So he's come out, he's apologised. He, a lot of the, the, the decisions he's making right now are very rash. He's making the, you know, will I resign? And I apologise for what I've done on these policy changes. 
I uh, personally, I find it hugely entertaining. I but if it okay, so it's entertaining. The poll has now closed, and fifty-seven and a half percent of people want him out. Does that mean that he will abide by the poll result, or is this just a bit of fool acting? No, no, I think he will. I, I mean, he's he's stood over everything else he said. It'll be hard to back down from that one. So he'll probably take someone, one of his executives in Tesla or in SpaceX, and he'll he'll, he'll put those guys in. If you can find someone that is okay, well, you don't do you job yourself, Neil? Forget about it. Forget about it. And don't you go stop doing what you're doing. Congratulations <laughs> with regards to the flotation Cheers. of Smart Tech Two Four Seven. Home for Christmas, I hope. Have a great one. Thank you, Neil. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I'm head- heading off tomorrow for 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 a week to to uh, decompress. Good man, <laughs> yourself. You certainly deserve it. We're all very proud of you. Well done, Rona Murphy. Congratulations. Cheers. Take care. Bye. And lads, Smart Tech 247 is hiring. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. And you can text, text 0868104106. Quite an amount of text. Want to give a big happy Christmas shout out to my parents, Owen and Marie McNamara, sisters Anne and Margaret, and all the families in Cove. Special Christmas shout out to the amazing staff and patients of Cove Hospital. That's St. John McNamara, who's always listening in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. He says, Barry's tea is a big hit here in the kingdom of Saudi. My suitcase is always packed with Barry's tea when returning from breaks back home. And this is lovely, uh, lovely text saying, not all soccer fan. I'm not a soccer fan. Never sat down to watch a match, though I'll watch the All-Ireland final. But yesterday I was stuck to the couch. I thought it was an unbelievable game. Well done to Argentina. And just a correction to me, as usual, it hasn't been called the Jules Rimet uh, Trophy since 1970. Thank you for that. Uh, and I was talking about Humpty Dumpty earlier this morning. Daisy says, Humpty Dumpty was a cannon, a bronze cannon, from around the 17th century. It was in a castle in England. It fired once, and the recall from firing the cannon, it crashed through the battlements and smashed onto the ground. Hence, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. So thank you for that. It's always great to get the backstory to things like that. Humpty Dumpty was a cannon that exploded. So from Humpty Dumpty, if you don't mind, to uh, the gingerbread man. And we just mentioned earlier, because we posted it online, in not, not in any way to be offensive to any sections of the community, but that in a certain bakery in England, I thought it was just a bit of fun, caused a bit of a stir online, for sure it did. They're not selling the gingerbread man anymore. They are selling uh, non-binary gingerbread people. Um, and people have some interesting comments to make on that as to whether that's right, needs to be more inclusive the world we live in, that you wouldn't say, for instance, have a snowman, you might have a snow person. Uh, but anyway, to the phone lines. Jasmine, good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, I know that there are members of the LGBT organization um, on Side and further afield are even annoyed that people are talking about this because they think it's mocking. But do you think it's a step too far in the way the world is changing? Well, I believe I do. Um, well, uh, for me, for example, I have two daughters and I'm going to raise them in a way... Uh, for me, the most important thing as a parent is they are happy, if you agree with that. Uh, other things aren't important, but I think some things we should leave like they are, you know? Mm. There are some traditional things um, in the community, and I don't think we should go there, like leave the cookie alone, you know? Um, I don't think it's somebody wrote, it's a book, 
um, to make something like that. Woke. I just think, yeah, I did yeah. see a, I did see a text referencing wokeness or woke snowflakes. Yeah, I just I just don't think it's necessary, you know. Um, leave the Christmas like it is. Leave the snowman. Leave the gingerbread man. Uh, there's a reason it's called like that. Um, let's give children to be happy and enjoy Christmas. If we have some different opinions and we feel different, that's okay, you know. Um, but you don't have to let the world know. Um, well, you can, of course, but um, I don't think um, cookie can be a reference to something like that, you know. Yeah. It's just a cookie. and uh, Well, it, it is, me- but this morning I was also talking about um, uh, an Australian GP who came out and said that we should not have overweight Santa Clauses, that it is only idealizing that to be overweight is a healthy thing and that fat, fat Santa Claus gives off all of the wrong messages in a world where everybody is getting bigger and more unhealthy because they eat too much and eat the wrong food. He, what, what he's saying is that the image of a fat Santa Claus needs to be destined to history. We shouldn't use that anymore. That Santa Claus... Well, well Santa Claus at yeah. the North Pole is fat, I know, but that he should lose yeah. weight. Well, I, I don't agree with that as well. Then we could go to all the toys and images in the world, in the cartoons, like Barbie shouldn't be like that. You know, I, I know they change it through the ways um, it looked before, like 20 years ago when I, when I was young. Um, but just, you know, it's for me, I think it's just too much, you know, um, if people are happy with their selves and they know who they are, then they're okay with things to be like they are and like they were, like Santa. You know, we all know how Santa is supposed to look like. And I don't think we should change those things. We should change maybe how people treat each other and maybe change something different in a society that would really matter for our kids mm, mm. when they're growing up. But not not those things, you know, it's just too much. Then we should change the whole world. And I don't think it's possible. There are still people living like Ireland is really, I would say, a modern country and it's appreciating everyone in every way. And... um there are countries still there are living totally different way, like maybe 20, 30 years ago. And they're fine with that, you know. Um, so well, don't give up on many traditions and things that yeah, we like yeah, and we are making, fond of. But even though yeah. we're supposed to try and be more inclusive to all and that not of everybody course. wants to identify now by their birth yeah. sex anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, uh, most important thing, if the people know who they are, like a person, I know who I am, and I'm happy with that, then I don't have issues with Santa being fat or gingerbread man being a man, you know what Mm. I'm saying? Mm. So it's just, I think it's gone too much and people have too much time on their, you know, on their own and they're looking on the internet online. Uh, trying to make some trends for they, that bakery specifically, I would say um, maybe they didn't want to make 
a big thing about it, uh, but I think it's just a commercial trick. Maybe I'm That's, wrong. That could be the case too. You thank, you, thank you for that. Yeah. Appreciate it, Jasmine. Happy Christmas. It's interesting you'd say that to create a trend that a bakery would come out and say we're going to have non-binary gingerbread persons, just like the publican up in Belfast who says I will not serve somebody. Yeah, I don't know whether he's you know he, he really believes this, but gets a lot of publicity from it. I will not serve persons in my pub that buy a bottle of Coca-Cola. I will not serve glasses of stout. I'll only serve pints. I have only few tables. But certainly with regards to wanting to create a trend, I think that um, the email that I got in uh, overnight, because we posted this and uh, when when the lads put it up, we, I mean, you would do it on the basis of it's a bit of fun, if nothing else. But of course, it can be hurtful to people. So um, Cork Pride got in touch to say, regrettably, regrettably, we have received several messages overnight regarding your post on Facebook from yesterday evening, which has caused us concern. As the main LGBT plus organizations in the region, we have a duty to care to all of our community to ensure that all our partners are aligned with our ethos and mission. Unfortunately, the post from last night, I've included a screen capture below, fell short of our expectations of you in this regard. We are aware of this non-story in the UK tabloid media last week, but the way in which your Facebook post has been written trivializes our non-binary and gender diverse community, which includes those with trans and intersex identities. The post is inappropriate. It tried to make humor of them, causing, intentionally or not, hurt and upset, which is unacceptable to us. The non-binary and gender diverse community are already marginalized and endure widespread oppression, hate crimes, increased incidence of poor mental health, self-harm and suicide. People's identities shouldn't be the subject of sensationalism or light entertainment or promote division, intolerance or hatred. Our rainbow community has always stood together. None of us are equal until all of us are equal. Perhaps for you, it was a slow news week or perhaps it's an attempt to bait reactions from the ignorant Oh dear. Uh, As many of the seemingly unmoderated comments on the post would indicate, ignorant. It's also worth mentioning that this didn't happen in Blackpool in Cork. It happened in Blackpool in the UK. So I'm unsure why you would feel that this is a relevant news story in an Irish context. Or indeed why you would ask listeners to wade in with comment, either on social or on air. It would appear that this post and whatever segment has been planned to air after it has been designed to provoke and engage to enrage the trolls and the bigots at a time of sending this the post has received 424 reactions 471 comments and 35 shares so it has achieved its purpose but it does so at the detriment of a very vulnerable section of the community so I would with respect ask you to carefully consider your position on this matter with kind regards from Kerry at Cork Pride. Now, I know that was a lengthy response and a lengthy email. Usually I would cut them back if they're very long, but I didn't cut that one back because it makes a powerful statement on their behalf and I didn't want to edit it. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Okay, back to the phone lines we go. Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are did, you? Um, did they, was that true about Sleeping Beauty or were you just making that up? No, it's true. Um, it happened last year, actually, I believe that there was uh, an orchestrated campaign by certain people to have it banned because 
the princess didn't give consent. To be kissed and woken up. Exactly. Okay, all right. And okay. They, they, tried, they, they tried to ban others as well, I believe, um, including a lot of Christmas carols, and you've seen what's happened with fairy tale in New York. It's gone beyond the joke, like. Yeah, I heard there was a version of it on the late, late uh, Friday night, was there? Yeah, it made Rowan and Keating's one song good. Was it bad? Uh, it was extreme. Well, don't be real, and we were setting the sheep. But um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> was, it was shocking. It, it, it was absolutely shocking. I mean, where, where does it stop? I mean, Santa's making a list. That's GDPR gone out the door. <laughs> you know? Um, you know? I'm on a list somewhere without... No, I mean, this is a funny side to it. I'm not talking now about people who might be identifying differently, but Santa Claus with a list means that's a breach of GDPR. He's my data without my permission. Exactly. <laughs> so, but who do you, I'm just trying to figure out, who do you claim against? <laughs> you know, because there could be a lot of money made in this. No, but no, I know, I know. But, in the, you know, I mean, the, like, unfortunately, the, Cork Pride, Cork, unfortunately, Cork Pride think that I, we, we were doing something to make humour of others. I, I, I personally don't think so. I just, I just think it's gone, it's gone too far. I mean, I have no issue whatsoever with um, what anybody wants to be. But, I mean, don't take every everybody's opinion doesn't have to agree with yours. Yeah, I know, but if we're going to change things, I mean, they make a very valid point where they say that none of us are equal until all of us are equal. And and if if something like going on about non-binary gingerbread persons might be funny uh, or light entertainment to but some. That, but that's what it is. But but it's, to it's, it's light entertainment. Yeah, I know, I know. But nothing, it, it, sometimes else. these posts can open up the floodgates to what they would seem ignorant, unmoderated comments from people who just I don't. You know. Totally disagree with it. It's giving giving people a chance to have a bit of humour, have a bit of fun. I mean, we're a week from Christmas. It should be a fun week. I think I, I think you're you're always looking two steps ahead in everything you do now and everything you say. And, and may, maybe that's a good thing. But for others, they think the change is frantic. The pace? The, the pace probably is a bit frantic. Um, but I mean, people shouldn't have to be looking three, four, five steps ahead saying, who will I offend? Because you will all, uh, no matter what, you will always offend somebody. Yeah, even the even the Pogue song, of course. Some are playing bleeped versions of Fairy Tale BBC, of New. BBC won't play it at BBC all. Radio. Yeah, BBC yeah. Radio won't play it at all. And um, I mean, while RTE had on Friday night, it was just disgraceful. But everyone's I mean, entitled to do a cover of a song, surely. I, I, I'm talking now from the point of view that I didn't see it and didn't hear. It. I just read that it was pretty. I, awful. I agree. Do a cover, but a cover of the original. Yeah. You know, I'm. I mean, okay, if you want to change little bits here and there to suit your particular style, as in do a rock song in a country version or something, but why, why change the original words? I mean, it was it was genius. But if I, I mean, ma- but if I make if I have a story on there like I did this morning, I found a story online of a doctor in Australia who said we cannot any longer have fat or overweight Santa Claus because it's bad body body image and we're. We're almost glorifying people who are grossly overweight, and it's a bad message. Um, is no, that irresponsible? But like the doctor did say that. Neil, it's it's just craziness. 
craziness gone mad. We first of all we know he's a fictional current character. Uh, no, 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 there, no, there, no. Santa Claus in the North Pole. No, Santa not North Pole. He's the real deal, but the other ones, Santa's helpers, yep. are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's just. <laughs> Stop taking the fun out of everything is all I really say. All right, pal. Thanks for that as always. Meanwhile, Keith. I need old things. What's the story with Fat Santa need. Claus? You a fan? Oh, need, do you know something? No, I was knowing all fair. And look, I love him. And he's only heavy for one day a day <laughs> over the people putting out the mint pies. <laughs> After that, he has to change all his clothes again. He's going out the way for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> he magically well, slims down. <laughs> I was telling Neil, I was there one time, and the fair, you know, you'd make out the list of toys. Neil, there was 11 of us now in the one family. Did you get much? So the mo- the mother would make out the list, she give it to the father, the father would bring it on to the pub, he give the, the list to a couple of young lads or whatever, right? It was like Deliveroo 40 years ago, Neil. <laughs> Right? Eleven. The boys will the boys will go in town, they'll bring back the toys. Go fair the album will pay the cash of a level. He said to me this day, he said, Keith, my favourite son. What could you like for Christmas? I said, Dad, you know what? I love an action man. Remember the action man? Action man, great toy. Yeah, yeah. he was a gym boy. Right? So he's on the list. And next, I got up the next morning, and, and there was the package, and I tore it open the whole lot, and there was the box. <laughs> there was no action man, right? And he came down the stairs. He knew I was. I said, Dad, I said, there's no action man in that. He, I tell you nobody, he said, what you got? It's a dessert. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I found over. I found over at my lead, right? They were down the, the, the Pope. And Marcy Sullivan, now he lived in the same towers as himself. And he had the task. There was only one action man left. And he had the task with the action man. Marcy won it. Right? And the fair won the box. And I was told the. I think, well, he said to me, Yes, the keys. Don't be so bad, he said. Come here, huh? your Indian suit is still there from the <laughs> Oh, but uh, actually, you can't be wearing those kind of things anymore now. Cowboys are Indians. Serious? Well, no, if you're no, if you're to follow the way things are going, it would be insulting and would be. Ah, uh, to me. Well, in some ways, yeah, but in others, no. In others, it needs to change. You know, and so, I mean, you might say the gingerbread people. Um, would be a better way than a gingerbread man. I'm not so sure about whether or not Santa Claus well, should be need, fat or not. If look at it, who's the only people complaining? I have nothing against anybody. Never did. But who's the only people with the complaining? Well, I suppose those that need to be yeah. included more than they are, you know? More than those that need to be um, uh, respected more or not mocked or put in threat of their life or their safety. You know, we just I, need to I get along. Need, I don't think it goes on, no. Well, I don't think so. Well, there's still a lot of work to be done in that regard to be all inclusive. As to whether yeah, or not Santa Claus should be fat or not, the debate is open. Uh, yeah, well, look, look, he'd be under what say he don't deny storm after Christmas. All right. <laughs>
I'll talk to you later. Cheers. Happy Christmas. No, uh, actually, day. talking about Happy Christmas, I got a lovely email in. I'll come back to calls in, in a few minutes' time. I got a lovely email in from Louise because uh, I actually inadvertently all pretty much bumped into her um, in, in town on uh, Saturday. She says, I work in a busy department store in the city. And as you can imagine, it's been chaos. Super busy with shoppers. Last Saturday, this was inside in Braun Thomas, so I was browsing around in there. She says, last Saturday, I had a quiet five minutes and I noticed a man leaning against my counter looking slightly lost. Really? Looking slightly lost. This is not unusual this time of the year, as you can imagine. So I approached, I approached him and I said, hi, how are you? Do you need any help? To which he replied, I've lost my wife. <laughs> Sure enough, I recognised the voice in a heartbeat. And I said, oh, it's Neil Prendeville. And I had to say how much I love the show, to which you replied, thank you, keep listening. It was so lovely to see the person I listen to every day and keep me company on my cleaning spree at home. I hope you found your wife, Neil, and in the end, uh, and maybe you enjoyed the few minutes of peace. Thank you for smiling back at what is the busiest weekend of the year. Love the show. Keep the conversations going, says Louise. And she's absolutely right. I was in Brown Thomas and I was with my wife and she was queuing to buy candles. But the queue for the Joe Malones is quite long, right? So, very kindly, she says, why don't you just go off there and do a browse? Go on up to the top floor because you love the Waterford Crystal and all the gadgety stuff. So, off I went up and she was supposed to call me, Right. So I went up and had a good look around. I actually got talking to other staff members up there who were great. We were just chatting and, you know, passing the day, you know, as you do at Christmas time. And then eventually I said, I'll go back down. She's probably in the queue. I went back down and she was gone. Disappeared. Totally disappeared. Um, so it was at that stage that Louise came along. I must have been looking lost or confused or in need of help or intervention. Uh, but anyway, it all worked out in the end. But there was a great buzz in town. There really and truly was. And it was great to see. It was fabulous. The amount of musicians that were in town on Saturday and the quality and the caliber of the music. It was just, there was just a lovely, lovely buzz. Great atmosphere. I'll talk some more about that tomorrow. But when I was up in BT on the top floor, I was walking around and they have these little smart speakers there. And from one of the smart speakers, this song was playing. And I just stood and listen to it, to every single note. It's Sia. I don't mean to be offensive playing a song called Snowman, having just followed on from the gingerbread man stroke gingerbread person. But this to me is, she's just got an incredible voice. And I think it's a Christmas song that doesn't get played half enough. Have an aged. Don't cry, She has some voice. Incredible. See ya. And Snowman. Happy Christmas to all, in particular uh, to Louise. Lovely follow-up email. Lovely chatting with you. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Final bit of business, lads, and a nice giveaway for this as well. I've spoken in the past to Dennis Horgan, one of Ireland's leading aerial photographers. He's got a clatterload of books behind him. He goes in the air and literally flies above and takes photographs below. His new book is absolutely stunning. It's Ireland's uh, guiding lights, as in it's aerial photography of all of the lighthouses around the coast of Ireland. And one photograph after the X is absolutely stunning. There's got to be 60 or 70 of them at least. Dennis joins me by phone. Dennis, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How are you? An incredible achievement. Um, you know, in all sorts of weather or what? Because all of the photographs seem to be taken in stunning weather. I mean, there's one or two where it looks a bit choppy or fascinating, that, but it's fabulous. Um, well, the weather varied. This is a two-year project, so you know there were some of them. Uh, the days weren't great. I had to, I had to lighten up the, it in processing. But overall, we got lucky with the weather, and um, we got through what we had to get through. But we had, um, uh, we had a few disappointments in certain places. Yeah. There were one or two lighthouses missing, but other than that, um, because of weather, we couldn't get there. But uh, yeah, we we did it in mainly reasonably good conditions. You know, massive, fantastic photographs in full color. But it, it struck me going through all of the different photographs. How in the name of God, all those years ago, they managed to build them in the places that they did? I mean, they were reckless, weren't they? The places that they put. Oh, them. incredible! I, I mean, if you look at where they. Most of the lighthouses are built in really remote locations. Yeah. And, uh, they, I mean, they built a fastness um, 11 kilometers off the south coast of Ireland. And they didn't, they weren't, there were no injuries and no deaths when they were building it, even though it was a really precarious uh, job of work. I mean, you no, look at the Bull Rock, for instance, you couldn't get more remote yeah. or precarious. But the photograph's stunning, like... Yeah, look, you know, well, I mean, they're stunning subjects, Neil, you know, I mean, uh, I didn't have a blank canvas, you know, uh, they are stunning. Lighthouses are amazing in, in terms of their ethos and in terms of their of their build, how they look architecturally. Yeah. Uh, they're amazing, you know. Do you know uh, off the top of your head whether they're all automated now or some of the ones that you photographed, are people still on them or what? no. Every one of them, they're all automated now. Yeah. But some of them have keepers there, you know, like the the man who wrote, who co-wrote the words or who wrote the uh, stories uh, with me in the book. Um, he he was a lighthouse keeper, Gerald Butler, and he served on the Fastnet and on Galley. And they're a lighthouse keeping family. It's a generational thing. Yeah. He still looks after the light, um, but he's only the keeper of the lighthouse. He just goes in and checks it out, makes sure it's all right. Everything is automated now, you know? I mean, it's so important to capture these, actually, because it's part of our history and our culture and our past, isn't it? I mean, the photograph of Skelligs, which is close to my own heart, is stunning. It really is. It's just unbelievable. Um, yeah, and, and Skelligs is amazing because Jerry Butler was telling me that, in you know, in the days... Keepers' families came out to Skelly to yeah. live with them to live for three months yeah. or so. Yeah, 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 yeah. People and died off it. Yeah. Incredible, on and off, you know. That's right. I think I think at least one child of the families way back on the Skelly ones fell to their death. Small little children. It was that. that's right. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And are there I've any heard. are there any ones that you know if you were to pick or to choose in all of the dozens that you photographed all all around the beautiful coast? What step? What jumps out at you? Well, uh, not because I'm a cork man, but just because I, I think the Fastnet is the most iconic lighthouse of all time. It's, it's location, you know, what it's, it's built on a tiny rock. It's, it's 11 kilometers out there. And the seas out there, whilst they can be calm at times, mostly they're pretty, pretty, um, uh, you know, disturbed out there. There's a lot of big waves. We were out there today. We did that photograph for that book in a small plane. <laughs> the, um, the pilot was kind of, you know, well, can we, uh, I'm not going to hang around here. I, I have tickets for a, for a pantomime next week. I want to get there, you know. <laughs> Do you ever and feel uh, like that? Oh my God, we picked the wrong day. <laughs> 
Uh, well, you know, you usually know when you go out, you know. I mean, I fly with the, the boys up in Atlantic flight training and they're a real professional outfit. And um, they they check the weather forecast for me. And, you know, we don't go out when, when I take any risks, you know, because uh, sometimes you're flying, you know, when you are taking pictures, you're flying with the doors off. So you will get plenty. You won't have to worry about uh, glass or flashback from the glass. And uh, you have plenty of room to swing the camera. But you're only there like to the, to the line of the slipstream. It's, you're still sitting down. I mean, it's nothing dramatic. It's, it's legal. And uh, uh, we're certified to do it. You it's know? incredible. It really is. Isn't Ireland the most beautiful place, particularly when you see it from the sky? Our coastline is just so dramatic and so gorgeous, isn't it? I mean, you must have felt blessed yeah, to be you, able to do it. Yeah, I do. I feel very privileged because, you know, we have an amazing country. I, I think people have discovered that since, since the pandemic. I agree. We have, we have an amazing country. You, you take your Aer Lingus flight from Cork to London. And if, you, if you're lucky, for about maybe 20 seconds, you get a view of Cork and you're gone. You're up in the clouds. These things just don't hang around 1,000 feet a minute. But when I go flying, um, you know, I'm at 1,500 feet average. And I maintain that height all the time. And then you swing out over, you know, Cork Harbour, over the old head. If I'm going west down to Kerry, you see the coastline all the way along. And you see it like you've never seen yeah, it before. You've captured it's it in the amazing. book. You've captured it's it so amazing. brilliantly, Dennis. Yeah. And thank you so much for giving me a couple of copies to give away. This is oh, obviously... this. Th- no, it's very kind of you because it's a beautifully bound hardback. It's going. Where are they for sale? Well, they, you can, they're, they're for sale in all, all the bookshops uh, around Cork and, and, and around Ireland. And I also have them on my website, which is dennishorgan.ie. Um, they're, they're for sale there as well. And Incredible. thankfully, they're going very well. I hope know? so, because they make a fabulous yeah. gift this Christmas time. It really would make a great gift for anybody that loves Ireland, loves the outdoors, or loves our gorgeous coastline. Listen, thanks so much for a couple of copies to give away, Dennis, and happy Not Christmas to you. You're very welcome, and happy Christmas to you and all your colleagues, Neil. Thank Look you. After yourself, Dennis Horgan, he's a star. Ireland's Guiding Lights, celebrating our lighthouses. It's a dramatic book. It really and truly is fabulously capturing our coastline and all of the lighthouses and all of the coast itself, not just the lighthouse, but the big wide panoramic shots. So check it out. It might make a good gift this Christmas time. We have a couple of copies to give away. Pick up the phone 0818104106. Also, with regards to our offbeat donuts, I'd love to win today's donuts. I would take the box down Patrick Street and neighboring streets and offer them to the people collecting for share. Joe Buckley, that is a winning text. He's at work in the South Mall. We're going to do that for you. We're going to do that for you. Get the donuts to you and you can take them out to the boys and girls of Share. We'll be looking after you on that one. Our lines will stay open on 0818 Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.